0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Lenient Critic podcast. My name is Rowan Wood. I am the founder, editor, and as of now, sole writer of the Lenient Critic blog. Uh, and uh, today, I have uh, another first-time guest with me, uh, Mr. Bernard Ozarowski. Welcome to the Lenient Critic podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me on. I'm excited to to talk about some of the movies of the last month and some of the ones to look forward to or or not on the horizon. <laughs>
0: yeah we'll see uh we'll we'll have to see we are still very much in the month of january um and uh some of the movies we are talking about today will reflect that uh and some (laughs) of them some some of them won't uh you know uh happily enough um so uh yeah uh we are going to start off talking about uh scream hello it's happening three attacks so far do you have a gun I'm Sydney Prescott, of course I have a gun. Something about this one just feels different. Samantha? I'm... I know who you are. I've been through this. A lot. This is your life now, which means that whoever this is is going to keep coming for you. You ready? For this? 25 years after a streak of brutal murder shocked the quiet town of Woodsboro, a new killer has donned the Ghostface mask and begins targeting a group of teenagers to resurrect secrets from the town's deadly past. Uh, this is a uh, self-labeled requel of the Scream franchise uh it is the in fact the 5th uh, of the franchise and in keeping with you know modern quote unquote requel uh horror traditions it carries the name of the original uh instead of um labeling it i guess something else uh so bernard i'll start out with you uh what did you think of scream
1: i was stunned by how much i enjoyed this movie i i, I like the franchise i i think the first is quite excellent i think two of the sequels are are quite good uh two and four are quite good three is three is not not my thing (laughs) Uh, i'm glad it's there for the folks who enjoy it but um so i went into five with some sort of you know reservations it's not necessarily the the sort of franchise that's quite so essential it doesn't have kind of like the core villain that you see in a michael myers movie or a friday the 13th where you have this sort of invested thing to come back to and i was just stunned by what a what a joy of going to the movies it was for me despite the the n95s and the (laughs) assholes coughing who make me nervous uh it it was just such a joyous fun-filled time i i laughed i was thrilled i was amused i i just totally blown away by how much fun i had do i think it's the greatest movie i've ever seen probably not will it be on my top (laughs) 10 list at the end of 2022 i'm i'm not sure that i've ever had a courtney cox movie on my top ten list and i'm not sure that's going to change this time but it is it is a really fun ride what'd you think
0: uh yeah i i wholeheartedly agree uh i am a big fan of the franchise uh this is the first one i'm seeing in theaters uh as i was um i was too young to see any of the other ones i wasn't born when two of them came out um oh my god but, uh, oh. yeah i know <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs>
1: I, I saw the first one in theaters No, i was like 11 and that's totally inappropriate but uh yeah oops
0: yeah good um, job mom (laughs) uh but yeah so uh this was i was um spoilers for next week's episode of this podcast but uh scream is one of the movies one of the movies that i was looking forward to most this year uh i have been getting into horror a lot in the last couple years and um one of my favorite horror movies in fact of the last few years was ready or not uh which was directed by the radio silence team uh that uh ended up doing this scream as well um and I was I, I was just so incredibly happy when I saw that they were doing this one because you know after the passing of Wes Craven in I believe it was 2015, um, you know they easily could have stopped making these movies and said you know it was out of respect for him and I and I would have totally understood. But I'm glad that they are um, I'm glad that they're bringing it back and they have you know competent people behind it because uh, they easily could have you know this easily could have been a cash like a soulless cash grab, and I I honestly don't think. That this franchise is ever going to go that route, and if they do go that route, it's going to be incredibly self-aware about it, like it always is. Um, but yeah, uh, I was I was so incredibly happy. This this movie just made me happy on every single level, uh, despite most of the people in the theater uh, not wearing masks because that's for <laughs> some reason not a uh, not a requirement in the town that I want to see it in. Uh, but regardless, um, yeah, I I just loved most everything about this movie. Yeah, I,
1: I'm I'm with you too on the ways it could have gone awry. It's very easy to imagine a, a Platinum Dunes, which is Michael mm. Bay's horror production shingle, cranking out one of these things <laughs> that's just a bastardization of everything that was good about the original. Kind of like they did with the Texas Chainsaw reboot, and then the prequel to the Texas Chainsaw <laughs> reboot. Mm,
0: yeah, just uh,
1: misery grinds. Um, it, definitely easy to see how this thing could have could have gone quite off the rails. But it seems like they they've managed. I know Williamson was brought back into the fold to take sort of a senior role here who Mm -hmm. wrote the first, second, and fourth movie uh, to kind of shepherd this thing. And look, assuming he's still in the picture, it seems to me this thing is going to be in good hands. And I, I, for one, would happily come back to a new scream every 10 years or so that wants to poke fun at whatever the new industry tropes are.
0: Right. Yeah. Because, you know, the the horror industry, you know, it's in a bit of a renaissance that it has been for the last few years, you know, with the uh, with the popularization of, you know, quote unquote, elevated horror, which uh, which they they talk about a lot and make fun of a little bit uh, in this movie. Um, And yeah, I and and, you know, so as the genre continues to evolve, which I'm sure it will, uh, you know, horror now is um you know from what i know i wasn't following it 10 years ago uh closely but from what i know it's very different than it was uh 10 years ago and you know we're still getting a lot of sequels these days but that's but you know when the sequels are on uh, were, are, are on par with this in terms of quality i don't mind and i you know i mean as as i mentioned i i really really love this movie and so if um I don't expect every franchise to crank out a sequel like this. And honestly, a lot of franchises couldn't just because of what this movie is and what it's trying to do. Um, But I, I just think that, you know, scream uh, scream knows exactly what it's doing and it knows like it knows who it's targeting. So it, it does pretty much everything right, you know, in, in the ways that not even the third and to a lesser extent, the fourth one did, even though I really like the fourth one. And I, I think I I like the third one slightly better than you do. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's this this is a franchise that could keep going for as long as, as for as long as horror keeps going on. Honestly,
1: I'm curious, just related. What do you think of the David Gordon Green Halloween movies?
0: So the first one, uh, I actually saw the first one in theaters in 2018 uh, alone, which was kind of sad. Um, but uh, yeah, oh, I no,
1: no, no, never say that. <laughs> going to the movies alone is great. You sit where you want. No one bothers you. It's true. No one's gonna poke you and ask a question. If you want to sit and relax during the during the <laughs> credits, you could do that. When I went to come on, come on, I went to see by myself, mm-hmm. and it was great because I could just sit there by myself for the credits and like clean yeah. myself up and wash away right. the tears. Like, come on, it, it's going to the movies by yourself is great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, that, that was when I, um, when I started to go to movies, uh, a lot and, you know, not every, not, none of my friends really are into horror movies and they still weren't like I saw, you know, the 2018, I saw that movie alone. I saw the nun alone. There was no one else in that theater, unsurprisingly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but yeah, so I quite like the first David Gordon Green and Danny McBride Halloween, uh, movie. Uh, I, I thought it was good. Um, I, watched the first one in in preparation for that one for the first time so i wasn't necessarily like a genre or or a series fan or anything Uh, and then halloween kills um i thought it was fine uh i didn't love it um you know I, i i don't know of anyone who you know loved it loved it uh but i i didn't hate as with scream 3 i didn't dislike it to the extent that most people did um but you know, it, it. I can see what a lot of people don't like about it, but you know, I'm I'm just sitting there in the audience saying, "Oh, look at look at that! That was that that was violent," and I'm supposed to think this is fun, um, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's interesting. Um, it, it
1: it loops back to the point you were making. I feel like that series kind of shows one way it can go right, and at least to my mm-hmm. mind, one way it can go wrong. I mean, Halloween is kind of yeah. this like textured reevaluation of what this would do to these people that I think is in some ways pretty smart. And Halloween Kills is. not, not, uh, not my cup of tea. Let's just say that was a a very long, like hour (laughs) and 45 minutes.
0: Yeah. Um, I, uh, I did, um, I, I, I have another podcast that I don't really do anymore, but I talked with my roommate and uh, another one of my friends about Halloween kills. And I was, I, I mean, I wasn't defending it, but compared to like their thoughts, I was like, I was, you know, proclaiming it the greatest movie of all time. They were just trashing every single part of it, which, you know, it's, Horror is like is honestly probably one of the most hit or miss genres because like especially because of the um of the bad name that the series got in the uh, in like especially the 90s before Scream where everything was a sequel. You know, like everything was, you know, and and like I, I don't mean to, uh, I like I don't mean to talk about the, you know, an era that I was not alive for, you know, with such, a, with such confidence. But you know, I, I've, I've gone back and I've watched. I a do lot it of all the movies.
1: time. That's what podcasting <laughs> is. <laughs>
0: But um yeah I'm I'm going through the Friday the 13th uh movies for the first time I got a blu-ray for my birthday and so I'm watching them with my brother and like honestly even the first one is is really not that great it's iconic but it's not that great and the sequels are even worse um and and it's it's you know just just to show that you know um up to when Scream was released it, it you know horror just seemed to be you know sort of uh you know pardon the pun but like dead on its feet uh and um and and, and and now, you know, we're getting, you know, we get we get Jordan Peel, We have, you know, we, we have radio silence. We have we had Wes Craven, you know, people who were still um, creating some really, really solid things amidst all of the, you know, amidst all the crap that we were uh, that we were getting as well. Um but uh, yeah so in 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 terms of scream 2022 um going going back to uh, back back to the topic at hand um what did you think about um you know about how the franchise was sort of updated for the modern uh, era
1: so there's a moment in the film and i'm not going to get into you know detailed spoilers or anything like that i don't i don't think this constitutes a spoiler but the it's a new it's focused primarily on a new generation of woodsboro residents who are now being terrorized by a new ghost faced and they're establishing the rules that this is clearly a requel it's not a sequel it's not a reboot it's a requel in the vein of star wars the force awakens or any number of these other recent things that take the old ip bring in some new characters who can Uh, not at all cynically be the next generation of actors to take over these roles and bring in the old guard, whomever still alive in some sort of supporting role to, you know, to, to play a mentor type figure. So, you know, uh, Han Solo becomes a new Obi-Wan Kenobi sort of thing. So they're talking about this trend and they're talking about Stab 8, which is the in-universe adaptation of the first Scream story, which leads to a number of meta jokes throughout the franchise and in stab eight, the knives out director directs it disregards, uh, what the fans loved so much, or at least some subset of them and creates this giant controversy. A- and it's a moment that I am, I am a last Jedi lover. I was mm-hmm. uh, here. deeply amused to see, um, them taking head on the sort of toxic fan culture stuff in this self aware way. That it, it really it worked for me uh, as sort of a vibe of what the movie is doing. And it, it helped, too, that I think the legacy characters were well deployed here. I, I, I can't say that I, I think that Arquette, Cox, and Campbell are the strongest three actors that have ever graced the screen in a horror film before. But I think Arquette, in particular, is really, really effective here. I think he's someone who, through a lot of his life choices, and there's a documentary about it, uh, has has you know lived a lot and perhaps learned a lot and come to a more mature place. And I, I think that shines through in his performance here. There's a lot more self-awareness and almost reckoning with what he is, what his legacy is, and what his career is that I think is kind of portrayed on screen through the Dewey character that I thought was really surprisingly affecting for a franchise that has not really had any character moments throughout it and i think the one time it really tries to do that is when they make sydney a sort of shut away in scream three and i think it's the single (laughs) least effective character choice in the entire series so it was interesting to see them bring a little more emotional depth and texture to the forefront here through these actors that are not the best it's just a very smart deployment of an actor's skill set by these directors
0: Mm -hmm. yeah uh i agree uh i honestly think you know um you know, as, as you mentioned, they're not the they're not the greatest actors of all time. They're not the greatest horror actors of all time. Uh, but but they do do a really solid job in this movie for how they're used, because I, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that they are not really in the movie as much as the new cast is. Uh, they are clearly framing the the new cast to be like, as you said, the next generation of Scream uh, of Scream characters. And I hope that I, I hope that some of the ones who survive, have, like eventually come back. Um, because that would be on like that would be a first for the series to bring back a cast from one of the sequels that wasn't in the original but that's because up to now the original cast have really been the main characters. Uh, they've been the main characters. They've been the main survivors. And uh, and 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 just to to do something different with them here uh, is it, good. And it's what the series needs. It's on its fifth installment. It needs to start doing different things. Uh, and, and I felt very satisfied with what they ended up doing, especially with with one of the characters whom I will not name. Um. Uh. By, by, I, by I think by I know what you're,
1: where you're going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh. But I will I will stop myself there. Uh. Because I. I I, I do not want to um, I don't want, I don't want to go into spoilers on that one, but I do want to mention uh, some of the other cast members that I rather enjoyed uh, in in this film. Uh, we have um, Melissa Barrera taking over as the I would say the lead here uh, from uh, recently seen in the uh, in the Heights. I thought she did a She did a great job. Uh, Jenna Ortega playing her sister here. Um, and uh, Jack Quaid honestly stole the show for me. Uh, I uh, The Boys is one of my favorite shows on TV right now. Um, and he, uh, he I, I, I'm, I'm not going to go as far to say as he is playing the same character as he is in The Boys, but he is clearly settling into a type as an actor that I think really works for him, and it really works for me too. Uh, and I, I would be perfectly happy if he, if he just kept on playing these roles the rest of his career. I know he's gonna, you know, he, he's gonna do some different things. Um, but he, he, he stole every scene he was in, at least for me.
1: I, I'm totally with you on Quaid. I think he's really good. I think he has remarkable comedic timing, mm-hmm. which especially jumping from, I, look, he's playing a similar part, but the tones of the shows are very different between what Scream is doing mm-hmm. and what The Boys is doing, uh, even if they're both sort of nerd culture bullshit. Um, I, I just I, I think he's just really, really savvy. I think he's really good at playing off of what's happening around him. Not every actor is a good reactor and I think he's incredibly good at reacting to what the people in the scenes he, he shares the screen with are, are, are doing. I, I totally agree with you about Barrera. I think she's a star in the making. I, I would I would send a shout out to Jasmine Savoy Brown, who mm-hmm. I think is good here. She plays sort of the horror nerd <laughs> of the cast or one of the horror nerds of the cast. And I, I Jenna Ortega is someone who I would buy all the stock in among young performers there's a a movie coming out i think if this comes out on tuesday it'll be out on thursday on hbo max called the fallout where she plays the survivor of a school shooting that is one of the best performances i saw last year uh she's she's very good here frankly and sometimes i think she's almost too good for the material and trying to bring too much serious emotion and heaviness to the table (laughs) for something that is at heart a goofy comedic slasher movie I I just I totally agree that this franchise is in good hands. I think the the folks that make it through this movie are are well situated to show up in our eventual Scream Six or, hmm. oh no oh no, uh, like the <laughs> inevitable Apple TV Plus TV spinoff or something after Paramount gets bought.
0: Right. Well, I mean, there was. Uh MTV did a scream series for like three seasons that i have I haven't heard anything about, and i I heard that it was fine, but I like nobody, nobody ha- has talked about it at least in the last few years.
1: I haven't watched a minute of it. I know it exists. Yeah. I, I've heard not not ideal things. I do know mm-hmm. it was like a promotion I remember it was a promotional push because I like the challenge because I I'm of the age that I can remember when these people were on like real world. So um, I like the challenge, which means I'm aware of what content is on MTV. Otherwise I'm an old person with two kids. Um, (laughs) And uh, I I remember when it was a thing that I think in the third season, maybe it was the second season that, that ghost face was finally going to become a a character in it in some Mm. form or another. Uh, Yeah. I, I, I think that it's best that we leave the Scream TV show to the, uh, to the well of memory and not something we need to catch up
0: on in the future. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, Scream is a, is a franchise that made itself on, on commenting on movies. I feel like it, it, that's just something that would not work in the TV medium. And it's something that doesn't need to work because it, it, there was nothing about TV there in the first place. Um, But, uh, but, but yeah, just some, just some, some, uh, uh, random thoughts that i have here before we before we move on um I uh I like the detail uh n- none of these are really spoilery but I like the detail that uh Sydney is married to Patrick Dempsey's character from Scream 3 uh that was a um that was a detail that I I, I have not really seen anyone talk about but I I picked up on it immediately uh, I don't know if that was just because I rewatched Scream 3 very recently and so the character's name was fresh in my mind but I just thought that that was um interesting and you know it it's a reference that not many people are going to get but I appreciate that they're still um really committed to continuity. Um so yeah and uh there was um last thing uh, that I have to say is there was a scene where Jack Quaid's character is um I I don't remember most of these characters names I think his name was Richie uh he's uh he's watching um something on uh, on 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 his phone a video about the stab movies and the uh the people there um talking about the stab movies on their YouTube channel is uh, uh Dead Meat James A Janice and Chelsea Rebecca who do uh who do a a, a lot of great horror videos on there um that's actually why I really got into horror uh, in in the first place and they're good friends with radio silence in real life so I yeah. I, I, re- I really love that they that they work them into uh, in uh, into this movie somehow so yeah um, any uh, any any final thoughts
1: yeah my, my cute Easter egg is that uh, I really I, I can remember when Dawson's Creek was a, a thing mm. and and the person who wrote the first Scream movie is the showrunner and creator of Dawson's Creek so I appreciated when The Dawson's Creek scream riff episode was playing in the background of -hmm. of one of the scenes here. I think it's a, a nice way to tie it all together for weird horror nerds like us. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, I watched the first episode of Dawson's Creek. It's supposedly supposed to take place on Cape Cod, where I live. Um, but uh, but they didn't shoot it here. I think they shot it in like North Carolina or something. So it <laughs> like the, my parents and I watched the first episode. It it almost seemed insulting because it, we're supposed to think it's Cape Cod. It is so obviously not Cape Cod. <laughs> they could have made at least at least a little bit of an effort. But you know uh, whatever. At least American Horror Story had the balls to shoot out here. Regardless. <laughs> It's um, a
1: long drive. I understand why people, yep.
0: there's, yeah. there's there's it's, that solid
1: like two drive. hour stretch where you're just on a two lane road and if there's any it's traffic, true. it's just yeah. doom and gloom.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I go to school in New York. So it's, it, it's like a four hour drive. It's not that bad, regardless. <laughs> uh, um, so now uh, we are going to move on uh, to a Netflix film that is very much a January release and that is Brazen. She didn't expect to die that night. She had no enemies that she knew of. Her life was pretty unremarkable. And then it hit her. What if she had a secret life? For some, the secret is a lot darker and a lot more dangerous. Uh, mystery writer Grace Miller, I had to look closely at that name, has killer instincts when it comes to motive, and she'll need every bit of expertise to help her solve her sister's murder. Uh, yeah, this is the most January movie, in my opinion, that I've seen, uh, to January movie, uh, aside from the, aside from, uh, the three, five, five, which I talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, but, um. Yeah, so uh, Brazen, uh, I actually wouldn't have watched this movie if not for you, Bernard. Uh, I saw that you had. <laughs> I, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw that you interviewed one of the actors for uh, your website, uh, theinventionofdreams.com. Uh, go check it out. Uh, but uh, regardless, um, yeah, and so, and, and, and I was like, oh, he saw this movie. Maybe I could add it to our episode. And then I watched it and I was like, I could have gone without watching. (laughs) I knew, I knew what it was going to be. You, you told me right off the bat when I mentioned it, that it's terrible. And I, I, I knew that and I willingly subjected myself to it. So it's not your fault, but still.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll say, you know, it's, it's terrible, but I, I think in a purposeful way, I, I genuinely believe that the folks involved are trying to make a classic quintessential, Housewife with the glass of Chardonnay with an ice cube in it, sort of lifetime movie that used Mm -hmm. to be big in the 90s. And I I gather it's largely kind of died off. It just feels like this sort of there's sex, but it's like sex you can see on network TV. There's Mm -hmm. violence, but it's like not violent at all. There's like sex cam workers who are fully, who are practically like (laughs) fully clothed the entire time you know, it's like less titillating than an episode of CSI. I, I just, it's not, it's like a deeply unsexy sex thriller. And I think it's a really purposeful choice that Netflix is trying to corner the market on all this stuff. They're essentially trying mm-hmm. to replace cable. They'd like to win best picture along the way. And occasionally they'll do some blockbusters, but on a week to week basis, what they want to do to keep people engaged is to, you know, replace what they experience on cable. And this is doing that. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's a good movie, yeah. but I think it's a, I think it's a purposeful movie. I, I, I think the the people in it get the assignment. I, I spoke with one of the actors, Malachi Weir, who plays, sort of the uh, secondary detective in the film. Like, a really nice guy, and I, I just think very self aware of what the, what the goal was here. Like, mm-hmm. it's a movie about like tragic loss, but it's also a movie where he's like making little winking jokes about the fact that you know his partner is having sex with like the sister of the victim. Uh, right. you know there, there there's a, a necessary element of self-awareness here um i i can't i can't recommend that anybody watch this for like ar- artistic pleasure but you know if, if you if you know you're like three glasses of wine in and are thinking of pouring a fourth and throwing something on in the background this is pretty good for that actually this might be designed and i don't know because i've been married for a while like since netflix was streaming uh this might be what Netflix and chill is for that you put on this movie. You lose interest. It's vaguely sexual. It can inspire a conversation about the time you once frequented a cam girl or something like that to open the door open the floodgates to whatever you young people do these days. And that this, this is, I think that's it. I've solved it. This is a Netflix and chill movie. It's like this, this or the kissing booth. What are you going to watch for your Netflix or chill movie? It's going to be this.
0: My girlfriend would want it would honestly choose the kissing booth. But uh, <laughs> regardless, we we have broken new ground here folks. Um <laughs> yeah, uh this this movie is exactly what what you said it was. It's I, I can't recommend it to anyone either. It's it's just straight up not good. Um <laughs> I really don't know what if there is anything else that I want to say about it. Um you know, it's the the mystery aspect I thought was was just a, a little bit engaging you know like it wasn't completely boring you know this this movie you know i i must say i didn't dedicate a 100 percent of my attention to it i did have it how on dare in you the, the background <laughs> while i was doing some other stuff i may have played it at 1.25 speed but you know i knew exactly what i was getting into um <laughs> yeah uh you mentioned uh you know like a good movie to watch when you've had a couple of glasses of wine. I'm not trying to make you feel old at all, but I am not even old enough to drink yet um that so you feel old <laughs> yeah. um but uh but but yeah but i i i i get the i get the sense that it would be that kind of movie um and yeah i this is a movie that uh, I would not have watched otherwise. Same with another movie that we're going to discuss today, uh, and it's a movie that. Well, that was um, your fault. That that one is a hundred percent my fault. We can we can shoulder the blame together for <laughs> the sh- Yeah, we can we can each have our 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 cross to bear here. It's... Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, this is actually based on a book, uh, which after watching the movie has killed all all d- like any desire that I might have had to read the book. It's called uh, "Brazen Virtue" by Nora Roberts um so like in case anyone's interested um but uh but uh but yeah so can can i ask a generational question of course is is nora roberts a name that means anything to you uh it it is a name that i know but it it is not a name that i associate anything with anything meaning rather
1: i'm 36 for perspective Mm -hmm. here and for me that is like a thing that i remember as like what you what people would buy to read at the beach like this is what a mom reads at the beach is like nora roberts uh-huh. book or on an airplane that's what you would see in like airplane and train station news shops you could buy whatever the new nora roberts book is and there are like hundreds of them and there's a new one it's kind of i guess maybe like james patterson is in this same lane these days
0: uh-huh. but
1: it, it's like either a you know sexy thriller or a sexy romance book <laughs> one, <laughs> one or the other and or not so sexy and uh yeah just i was just curious your relationship here because nora roberts is a name that i, I sort of it, it I, I don't think I've ever read a Nora Roberts book, or you know, even mm-hmm. like a page of a Nora Roberts book. But it, it at least for me, like bubbles up these memories uh, of always seeing one of these books every time I'm, you know, going through Penn Station or going through an airport or whatever it may be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, you mentioned James Patterson. That that's a that's a name that has more meaning to me than Nora Roberts. You know, I I read, I read some of the um the Alex cross books when I was slightly younger. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you know what those are. Um, I do. I know there's a Morgan
1: Freeman movie. There's a, Mm -hmm. yeah, a, a, a really bad movie with Tyler Perry. There's, yeah, there's a couple of those. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I, I I guess you know I, I I don't know what I'm talking about here, but every generation has their has their things. I'm sure if I asked my parents about Nora Roberts, they would like they would they would know the name immediately. They would. My mom's probably read. I I guarantee you, my mom has read at least one of her books. But um,
1: <laughs> no, it's yeah. like what what is it called? The there's like a '50s version of this. It's like Peyton Place or something like that. Um, was I don't this- know. Yeah, this is a, this is a thing. There's definitely like an every uh-huh. generation has their like yeah. has their like trashy, vaguely titillating
0: thing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, uh, brazen is one that I uh, do not intend to return to ever. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can we can leave it. We can leave the movie like some of the characters in the movie uh, dead and buried. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> now let us move on to a good movie: uh, the tragedy of Macbeth thought i heard a voice cry sleep no more are you a man and and a bold one that dare look upon that which might have all the devil do i even need to read the synopsis for this one is, is there anyone that doesn't at least know at least you know the the basics of of Macbeth, you know, a, a play that was published in what, 1620 or something. I don't know. Um, but regardless, uh, Macbeth, the Thane of Glamis, receives a prophecy from a trio of witches that one day he will become King of Scotland consumed by ambition and spurred to action by his wife. Macbeth murders his King and takes the throne for himself. Um, yeah. Uh, Bernard, did you study Shakespeare in uh, school?
1: Uh, generally I, I was a history major and yeah. obviously have my, my interest in the arts. I, I don't think I ever took like a seminar on Shakespeare or anything like that, but I, I've I've certainly read some of the Bard's work, and I, I I'll admit right. I've probably seen more of the movies based on based <laughs> on Shakespearean works uh, than I've ever seen on stage or read. But uh, we all we all have our our personal interests.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah 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 that's true um so the tragedy of macbeth it is an apple tv plus original uh directed by Joel cohen it is the cohen brother movie um (laughs) and uh starring starring denzel uh denzel washington himself as macbeth um Frances McDormand as Lady Macbeth and uh, yeah, Corey Hawkins here as um, Macduff. And this actually had a really great cast that I was not expecting. Brendan Gleeson, I I tried to go into this as blind as I could. I didn't watch any of the trailers or anything um, because, you know, I I it's, you know, you know what to expect when you're watching a Macbeth movie on a basic level. It's how it's interpreted. It It, it is the visuals that I am really paying attention to because I, I could honestly, my dad and I, who, who, I watched this with my dad. We were, we watched and we watched it at, uh, at home. We were quoting along a lot of what <laughs> some characters say. Just, I, I mean, I studied this four, th- uh, three years ago, I think. And, and and so, you know, it's it's relatively, relatively new uh, uh, to me. So I, you know, it's it's just and, and just the story itself is just so in the in the zeitgeist that, you know, that's not really what I was paying attention to. I was paying attention to the cinematography, to the as I mentioned, to the visuals. Um, so, yeah, uh, Bernard, what did you think of the tragedy of Macbeth? So let, let me this is I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I more
1: liked it than loved it, and I mm-hmm. feel like I am uh, as as you know self styled film critics go. I, I think I'm kind of the outlier here. I thought it was I thought it was good. I thought it was well made. I I thought Denzel was quite good. I, I thought Francis was effective, um, if a little on the hammy side. And uh, really the 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 visual language that they're going for here, the starkness of the black and white, some of the really creative composition. I saw it in a the theater, so I I you know, had sort of the more grandiose visual experience than I think most can have at home. Mm-hmm. I just don't know why it left me a little, a little flat. And maybe it's because I've seen a bunch of versions of Macbeth. Maybe it's because I watched the, um, please, please don't be mad at me, the Roman Polanski Macbeth uh, fairly recently before I watched this one, which is, I think, quite good. I don't know why it just left me. It just left me a little bit cold, and I, I think that that's. I don't think it's a black and white thing because I, I adored. Come on, come on. I like. I, I quite like Belfast. It's not. I don't have any issue with black and white film or the emotional engagement. I know some people can struggle with that. It, it just felt like a really handsome staging of Macbeth, as opposed to something transcendent. I. I. I to to give an example, I saw. Um, Oscar Isaac and Hamlet at the public theater in New York before the pandemic. And it was a lo-fi production, you know, modern costumes, no real staging to it. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key was in it actually also. Oh, wow. And, and I found it, um, I, I found it deeply Moving and impactful in a way that I, I I'm not sure I'd ever really connected with Hamlet before. Now look, it's a theater that's like it has like eight rows of seats, so you're gonna be really close. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, Oscar Isaac was like four feet away from me some <laughs> of the time, um, and obviously, I think that guy's fantastic. And seeing him up close, he's even more fantastic. And maybe it's because I, I've had that experience of Shakespeare kind of recently that I. I just didn't connect to this one the way I was hoping to. I, I certainly don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think it's poorly made or anything like that. It just it didn't resonate for me the way I, I had hoped. But what I have heard is that Shakespeare nerds, and it sounds like you are an elite tier Shakespeare nerd, uh, really connect with this one. What what are what's your takeaway?
0: Um yeah, so I uh I am am in a similar camp uh as you. I I, I liked oh. it. Um, I think it was, it was more the, um, you know, there were, there were some shots that just floored me that I was incredibly impressed by. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll cite, uh, when Macbeth, uh, meets the witches, um, there is a shot of, uh, when, when we first see them of, uh, the one witch <clears throat> and then in the pool of water, uh, beneath her, there, are, there are two reflections. So we see the other yeah, two really there cool. and yeah. And, uh, th- and just the way that light is used in this movie is just Incredible, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a visual masterpiece than anything else, which as I, you know, it, that's, that's really what I'm looking for in a Shakespearean adaptation these days, especially one with so many different uh, ways of, of um, interpreting. But, you know, I th- think, honestly, what's really holding me back from Loved It here is Denzel. I, I I can't really put my finger on. It. I I think he he's good, but the issue is everyone around him is just is just so fantastic. And you know he, he he's he's being Denzel and he he's doing his Denzel thing. And I, I I don't know that just didn't really work for me as well as you know Francis McDormand and Brendan Gleeson and Corey Hawkins. I think they're just um, more more committed to it. Not to say that Denzel isn't committed. I mean I'm sure you know he he brings his A game with everything. Um, but uh but 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 yeah and 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 so i feel like it's that performance that is really not not really selling me fully um on 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 the movie not to say that he was bad i just think that you know he 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 didn't blow me away like i was expecting him to like you know like i'm hearing all this you know you know we're getting towards oscar season even before when this movie was announced everyone was like oh yeah 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 denzel he's going to be an oscar front runner playing macbeth you know at 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 this point in his career and so i i was i guess i was expecting a performance um, that that was just better than I got. And I, I, I mean, I can really only blame myself for that. But um but yeah, it was it was um I, I I really liked it otherwise. It was more just uh it was more just, oh, you know, look 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 at look at that great shot. You know, look at the way he framed that and all that. And yeah. I,
1: I, I think that's interesting. I, I think the Denzel of it all is, is kind of a a hit or miss thing across the board. I, I, I liked Denzel, but I've also kind of come to peace with the fact that Denzel is an actor, and there are a great many of them, a great many of them I like, who are less um, interested in, you know, Daniel day lewis this thing and inhabiting a role, but rather trying to have a conversation between their own performance, their own values, who they are individually with the character that they're portraying. But there are some moments where the Denzel of it, like bleeds through. I mean there there's like a, a you know it's hard to say an action scene in this sort of movie, but there's like an action scene sword fight at the end where Denzel gets the kill in the most it looks like something out, out of oh god what are the the equalizer or something like mm-hmm. that where where just like badass cool Denzel is doing some throat slashing that I was like, "Oh man, that that is like, wait, what movie did that come from?" It's just <laughs> it is an odd stylistic choice to toss this like badass action moment into the midst of what's otherwise of a, a very serious take on Macbeth um I hear you I, I I get where you're coming from on it I I, I don't want to you know drag us into a giant tangent about the corruption and misery of the awards race and how all <laughs> this stuff is preordained before anyone has seen anything and it makes it so hard for you know anything to break through that should be celebrated but um I do think he's gonna get a nomination. I don't think he's going to win, but I, I'd be surprised if if he's not a
0: however many time nominee after this. Right, right, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's 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 Shakespeare. It's a pretty you know, it's a pretty big movie comparatively. You know, it's been getting a lot of buzz. I I, I do think he'll be nominated, um, but you know, th- there was. There were so many fantastic performances last year. I, I I honestly don't think he has a chance of winning. You know, especially when put up with, uh, uh, put up against Andrew Garfield, Benedict Cumberbatch. You, you know, not to get into all this Oscar oh, stuff. man, now. You,
1: you you don't, you don't even know. name the
0: winner. I know, I know. Yeah, Will Smith. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um. It's so fine. Yeah, my winner, my my top, isn't isn't going to show up in any award
1: race. So, no Joaquin yeah. Phoenix already won his two years ago for the worst performance mm-hmm. of his career. So he's not showing up uh, <laughs> again for the best performance of his career. in come yeah. on, come on, which I use every platform I'm on to shill. Go watch. Come on, come on. It's yeah. the best.
0: Yeah, I um I I covered that uh two weeks ago. Uh, I I talked about the three five five and come on come on in the same week, which was a, an incredible <laughs> that dichotomy. Is some whiplash. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I I don't have anything more to say about tragedy of Macbeth. You know, if you're into if you're into Shakespeare and you know you you know you like visual you know big visual um you know not I wouldn't call this a spectacle, uh, but I would call it it's 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 very well done, uh, especially in the, in the visual um, range. So uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, anything anything else to add, Bernard? I
1: I agree with that. I think it's worth I think it's worth seeing even for a sort of curiosity factor. If you're the sort of person who's Listening to a, an hour plus film podcast, it's probably the sort of thing that you're obligated to watch.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah. Um, I honestly wish I had seen it in a theater. I, I, I think I would have liked it a little bit better. Um, but I left New York just when the limited screening started playing. So, ah. oh, well, uh, and, and it's starting at the independent theater that I work at uh, here on Cape Cod uh, in, <laughs> uh, well, it, it it will have started friday the 21st but you know oh well that's when i'm going back to school so uh, <laughs> anyway so uh, next uh, we are going to talk about another <laughs> this might be the most january movie of all uh, the king's daughter where am i going to a lavish and glimmering hell i'd always had the tales of a sigh
1: the stuff of dreams
0: You are something they can never be, an individual. King Louis Fourteenth. Yeah, I got that yep. right. King yep. Louis XIV's quest for immortality leads him to capture and steal a mermaid's life force, a move that is further complicated by his illegitimate daughter's discovery of the creature. Uh, this movie was filmed eight years ago in 2014, set to release in 2015, but then pulled three weeks before release to quote-unquote finish up visual effects. Uh, Now, seven years later, in 2022, we have gotten this movie. uh, As of uh, this release, it will be in theaters, Um, but uh, I guess the big question here, Bernard, is should the people listening watch The King's Daughter? (laughs) Oh, boy.
1: I, I I know that, that 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 you you lean into the positivity so I'm I'm gonna try to do the same and I'm not going to talk about how my three and a half year old son quit on it and my one year my one-year-old daughter acted like she was being murdered when we <laughs> sat down to watch it and how my wife came in and shushed my kids because she was busy deliriously laughing at some of the uh some of the line readings in this movie I'll say this Pierce Brosnan is going for it i don't know what what (laughs) movie he thinks he's in or what what he thinks this thing is supposed to look like but that guy is engaged and weird and and honestly i think he's kind of having fun i i think that he actually thinks that this is going to be like a franchise built around him you know just going totally totally over the top and i do think that there's some delicious trollery of them casting James Bond as Louis the that I just find, I find absolutely hilarious. I I'm lost on other positive things to say. I, I guess I guess it's nice that that Kaya Scodelario and um, Benjamin Walker met while making this movie and eventually went on to to get married. I, I I guess they have some chemistry. It does it does seem as though he he looks at her with quite a desirous expression throughout this film um i i whew, whew. Other, otherwise i'll say this is a better movie than brazen it it is a, yeah, it is an yeah. actual film it's not like an algorithm generated thing to get you to mm-hmm. not click off your netflix it is a it is a it is a movie technically and technically it is a, it's <laughs> it is a it is a mess A, a, a just like a, there are scenes that just have no cohesion from one one point to the next. There are parts now. I, I, I actually paid pretty close attention to this, despite having two small children with me. <laughs> Whoo, boy, that is this just. Whew, there are some choices here, and there's some CGI here. That is that mm-hmm. is some 1990s era shit. Even adjusting for eight years ago, that is just right. Oh boy, and the yeah. oh, and the Pirates of the Caribbean of it all. There are moments where mm. it sounds like you know, like a a my child trying to play the pirates of the Caribbean theme on the piano. Now my child is never trained to use a piano and (laughs) plays the piano by slamming the keys with both hands as any Um, child
0: under, under five does, you know? Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And uh, that, that is, uh, you know, that version of the pirates theme shows up as they have like really awkwardly staged sword fights over like little bridges and water and stuff. It's, it's, I guess it's interesting to see Pablo Schreiber, what he looked like, you know, Ten years ago, or whatever, before like he, like what he looked like
0: when "Orange Is the New Black" started. So right.
1: that's, and now we're never going to see him again because he's going to do Halo for the next five years in a yep. space mask.
0: Um, I I will say so. First of all, question: uh, Benjamin Walker. Uh, mm-hmm. I did he play the fisherman who the daughter falls in love with?
1: Yeah, the the true love interest. The, 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 yeah, the right, the older right. love interest, not the not the one she's betrothed to. The uh, the the guy she actually likes.
0: Yeah, the one who the Um, one who
1: looks like if Liam Neeson and the dude from The Last Kingdom had a baby, uh, (laughs) that guy.
0: Um, fun fun side tangent about uh, The Last Kingdom, uh, based on a uh, novel series by Bernard Cornwell, uh, one of my one of my uh, close friends who actually appeared in uh season I don't know was in season four or five or something. Um, anyway, uh, uh, is that show worth watching? I like it. Yeah
1: my my wife my wife. uh, Doors. My wife was a was uh-huh. a she's now a lawyer like I am for her primary uh-huh. job. Uh, but she was a stage actress beforehand. So she has some um credibility to her thoughts here. Mm-hmm. She she thinks it's one of like the best historical epic show that that's been made. I don't love it quite as much, but I think it's right. good. I think it's probably better than like Vikings, which is a pretty comparable mm-hmm. show in terms of scope and budget and tone. I, I think it's definitely definitely worth your time but you know there's yeah, a I, billion I've, shows so how do you prioritize yeah
0: i i have been feeling bad about not watching it because it's a show based on a novel series that my friend did uh, but you know i'll i'll get there eventually regardless back <laughs> to unfortunately back to the king's daughter um i will admit that i thought um uh kaya uh, scoldelero is that her name kaya Sc- scodelario i think it is Sc- scodelario yeah uh, i thought that her accent was fake for most of this movie. Because and and I honestly think her 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 fake accent in Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City was <laughs> sounds more realistic than than this. And then I looked it up, and no, she is a Brazilian British actress. So it's probably her her authentic uh, voice. But um, yeah, th- that just that just to tells you what kind of headspace I was in while I was watching this movie. I watched um half an hour with my girlfriend, and she gave up. Uh, and so then I I went back uh, last night at like eleven p.m. Uh, and fin- finish watching it, um, and uh, yeah, it's um, it's a movie that's for sure. Uh, it is definitely a movie uh, that I, I I think the the production design is, is 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 decent. It does have some pretty passable costumes, and uh, you you know, I mean, it's it may be you know done. Pretty fine on a technical level, I'm trying to find neutral <laughs> adjectives that that's not gonna make me sound like I love the movie because I didn't but I, I I didn't hate it it wasn't like it wasn't you know like like you know terrible as you said it is it is better than brazen um but uh yeah I, I just I just don't even know why i mean i I, I can see why they made it, but they should have just bit the bullet and 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 released it you know. Back then, (laughs) I mean, this this movie's been delayed more than, you know, more than Morbius has at this point. That's been delayed like like seven times but uh yeah yeah uh it was just hard to take anything in this movie seriously from the very very fake looking mermaid despite her being played by fan bing bing who can act uh y- you know she's uh, this is the second january 2022 movie after the 355 to not really do a good job with the character that she plays she, she, she's she there she's one of the actors i think who's
1: who's Hurt by acting outside their natural language. I think mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of performers who you see them in their native language and you're like, wow, that is an impressive performer. And you see them in English and you're like, well, there's a little. I think of, a, I just, I watched a what I think is a really good movie called A Taste of Hunger with Nicholas Costa Waldo mm-hmm. in it. And he is fucking incredible. He's great on thrones, but otherwise his U.S. output is like not, not mm-hmm. ideal. But see him in like Headhunters or A Taste of Hunger, he's really good. And I, I, I kind of get the same vibe from her that she's just more comfortable not having to grapple with with a different language in her performance
0: right yeah which is which is which is um un, like un, un, unfortunate because these actors they can act they have chops and it's just a shame that you know we we, we don't really you know at least in 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 mainstream um films you know we, we don't really get to see what they can do um but yeah who is this movie for because this is rated pg i think so it, but it's it's not a kids movie, uh, you know, as as you mentioned, you know, you, your your children didn't want to watch this. Um, and, you know, my my it's not for teenagers. I, I wouldn't watch this. Otherwise, my girlfriend didn't want to watch it. My parents would never watch this movie, at least voluntarily. Um, and like there's. The king talks about like how like how many women he slept with in the beginning of the movie and 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 it's like like what are you trying like is that one of those like you know things that you're trying to be clever about and you know like innuendo and you know getting around you know the rating but they they weren't even trying to disguise it they were like oh yes I I I bedded that woman last night and then I'm going to bed another one tonight and it's like <laughs> you're you're not as clever as you think you are. <laughs> I, I it's really a good question, and perhaps the reason it's been shelved for
1: so long because mm-hmm. there there is no I, I haven't read the underlying book. I guess it's based on a book, and I think that the tone of the book is something more of an adult fantasy story, which is to say, not something that you would watch on Pornhub, rather something like Pan's Labyrinth that um, right. has you know My favorite genuine. Movie. I I adore yeah. Pan's Labyrinth, mm-hmm. yeah, but has you know genuine thematic resonance through the artifice of fantasy to tell a mature adult-oriented story. I think that was probably the goal. I think there's an element here in the production of Let's Do Pirates of the Caribbean, which already is kind of a delicate tone, which the sequels Mm -hmm. demonstrate, especially the fourth one, Um, (laughs) delicate, difficult to replicate. And I think there's sort of a, a, an element of, hey, it's a fantasy movie with mermaids and stuff, so we can get kids in at it. And it just comes together so very poorly. I think there, there's a very tiny window of like seven to 10-year-old girls who aren't quite at the, you know, moving on to just like adult movies and, and you know, romantic comedies and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. coming-of-age movies. And that is a... the, the Tiny sliver that I think this thing is for, and I, I, I just don't know what what the hell they were thinking. And I agree with you. There's a, there's a lot of like solid actors in here. I think Kaya Scodelario is good elsewhere. I think she's kind of good mm-hmm. in the Fifth Pirates movie. I think she's good in uh, Crawl. Have you seen
0: Crawl? I haven't. It's pretty. It's like especially on my list of, of horror, it's pretty far up there. When you're looking for, like, a a creature movie,
1: when you need an excuse to go revisit, uh, you know, I I don't know what creature movies we have on the horizon, but the next time there's, like, a kaiju movie that requires you to go look at old creature movies, that is a good one to check out. She's really good in it. She holds the whole thing together. She's not not a bad actress. And, like, William Hurts in this, he's frequently good, sometimes less so. I just, (laughs) I I just, I, I don't, I'm with you. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. I don't know why. This was greenlit and it it does come from an era when a lot of movies were greenlit based on really weird overseas financing and all sorts of kind of under the table deals are cut about, you know, what markets are going to be serviced in what way. And this is kind of like from the last wave of Chinese money coming into these productions before, you know, things kind of severed and Chinese money stopped coming into American productions. But it is. I can't I, I just I, the only thing it probably has appeal to is that it's going to end up on an episode of like, how did this get made someday and yep. could probably be like viciously dunked on at that point that yeah. that's probably the lasting appeal of it.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, you're welcome for making you watch this. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, yeah, I'd say, you know, brazen, you know, even though that was my choice and not yours, uh, you know, brazen and, uh, you know, King King's daughter, we, uh, we each, we each, uh, we each suffered this week. Um, So, uh, (laughs) yeah. Um, But anyway, that's, you know, this is a movie full of, you know really unearned romantic drama that has that that really failed to impact me on any level um like like you know i could see what they were trying to do with you know um the daughter character i i don't remember anyone's name in this movie um aside from you know the king louis the 14th uh but the the daughter character uh you know having to marry someone she doesn't want to marry and you know like like i mean these are things that we've seen a million times before and some movies do it quite well and some don't and this is one of them that 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 doesn't because there are absolutely no stakes you know exactly how it's going to end from honestly the very beginning so yeah. yeah uh i would have much preferred to see a uh i would have much preferred to see the four minute prologue in which they're talking about how they caught the mermaid i would have much preferred to see that that sounds much more interesting but, yeah, but um, the,
1: the two minutes of that they showed us were who that was that was <laughs> not not quite up to the task
0: filmmaking there nope absolutely not uh <laughs> Um, but regardless, those are the movies uh, that were out in the last few weeks. Uh, Scream currently playing in theaters. Brazen is on Netflix. The Tragedy of Macbeth is on Apple TV Plus and is probably in some independent theater somewhere. And uh, The King's Daughter is uh, in theaters, but who knows how long. I, I'm going to give this a week, two weeks. Uh, I, I really don't think anyone's going to see this movie. So
1: <laughs> I wonder um, if it'll make more this way if it'll just being it's there were some of those covid movies where these things mm-hmm. that had been shelved for years were dumped and would make like 2 or 3 million dollars and it's it's horrific right. performances but mm-hmm. based on what these movies would have made in like a normal market with three or four movies opening wide every single weekend it may maybe this gets maybe it opens mm-hmm. to like 500 or 600,000 dollars makes like yeah. 1.2 million that might be what it would have made in the before times right That's yeah damning it with faint praise and i think <sighs> It might sell well on, or or do well on whatever streamer because you know Kaya Scotolario is reasonably famous. She's on Skins. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is very famous. I mean, th- those mm. are William Hurt. These are names that people look at and be like, "Fine, you can have my click," yeah. and then they'll be like, "Oopsie, I shouldn't have done that click." But I <laughs> wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if something like this does someday strangely find a little bit of a niche audience and I would not be stunned because it's just weird enough. I think the badness is unintentional enough that if it if, if this ends up as a cult movie someday and, and fifteen years from now we're the two people who can be like, we in fact did see that movie before yeah. release and talked about it in real time and said it was awful. <laughs> you know that there's a there's I think some small chance of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Optimism. And, and... It's I'm optimistic. It. Yeah, it's yeah, hard yeah. for me. I'm a pessimistic person, but that that is my optimism. This could be yes. a bad cult movie someday. Yes
0: that's that's a that's the name of the game here on the lenient critic (laughs) podcast um but yeah this is a movie that you could you know easily promote to that demographic that you were mentioning you know girls seven to ten who who don't who don't know any better who are just whose parents are looking for something to watch um but uh yeah so uh moving on to uh coming soon some coming attractions in the next two weeks uh tail end of january there's not really too much however then uh, the first week of February, we do have two things, but we are going to start off with the Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild, uh, Disney plus original film. Uh, I, I've seen this marketed as a spin-off and a sequel to the Ice Age movies, uh, of which I only watched the first one and maybe the last one because I, I don't even remember why. Um, but <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, so um, do you have any interest in seeing this film, Bernard?
1: Well, here's the, the thing about having small children is that <laughs> I could say no and I still get to watch it. I actually kind of strangely do. I have a sister who's nine years younger than I am. So I used mm-hmm. to take her to the movies frequently when I was, you know, a teenager and she was a little kid. And I know that we saw Ice Age together. I know that we saw some of the sequels together. And I know that they were movies that quite resonated for her. I I, I can't say that I'm like, oh, my God, the Dennis Leary saber tiger is the most important animated character I've ever seen, but I I have some recollection and fondness for these things. I I think I've seen five of them. Are there five of them? That sounds right to
0: me. Yes, that does sound right.
1: I've definitely seen a 4d, you know, like motion movie where the things like poke you and it blows cold air on you at the Mm. central park zoo of ice age. So, you know, I, I am. I like Simon Pegg too, and this is a spinoff mm-hmm. about the Simon Pegg character. So I, I'm I'm always game to go along for Simon Pegg's goofiness. Do I think this is going to be good? That's a very different question. Yeah. But I I I will happily watch it with my older kid, and I think he'll probably like it. Actually my daughter is obsessed obsessed with animals. So maybe she'll mm-hmm. like it because it's yeah. all a whatever species Simon Pegg is, and you know all sorts of vague dinosaur <laughs> animal creatures,
0: yeah yeah y- you know it's um it's 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 very clear unlike the king's daughter it's it's very clear as to who this movie is targeting yes. uh and and not to mention the fact that it's also a disney plus original animated movie which uh i uh, Disney plus originals in my experience haven't been the best, especially the movies um. You know, like like the shows, the Marvel, the DC, the Star Wars, are something entirely different. But the movies, I'm going to cite Home Sweet Home Alone here, have not always been the best. (laughs) Yep, I watched that uh on the first day because I thought it would be terrible, and it was. But um, yeah, they're really
1: they're No, you're right. They're really bad. I mean, I'm trying to think through. Like, I guess Noelle is a fine enough like Elf ripoff, and I, I I guess Lady and the Tramp is is watchable enough if you don't think about any of the weird racial politics of that movie. Uh, but like Godmothered and some of that stuff is just like really unwatchable. I, it's not a good sign that it's coming from there, but yeah, to be optimistic again, this is a, a smart deployment of some of the like lesser Fox IP that Disney bought. Like it makes sense to throw the ice age movies up there. They're at least as good as some like lesser tier, you know, conventional Disney movies. It, it, they seem a natural fit on disney plus and making more of them you know this 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 is pretty low stakes ip expansion mm-hmm. and it seems like simon Pegg is engaged in promoting it so i i have some faith in that guy
0: absolutely yeah um i i'm not sure i'm gonna watch this movie especially because i um i i haven't seen any of uh, many of the other movies and i don't have small children i'm <laughs> too young for that um <laughs> but um but yeah, uh, you know, maybe eventually down the line, if I'm doing Lord knows, like an Ice Age binge, which I, I can't imagine the circumstances of, w- of what I would when, do that.
1: When you have children.
0: When, <laughs> yep. Yep. When I, when I have children. You are, you, you are correct, sir. Um, but uh, for now. If, yeah, um, yeah.
1: I have a comp for you. I think it's kind of a new land before time which I, was a movie that existed as a theatrical movie when I was little. I remember that. There were theatrical sequels. And then there are like 17 more that came out on like straight to video. Ice Age is kind of a natural fit where there, there's a like original movie. There are sequels of, I think, mostly diminishing quality. And then there's just like streaming movies for forever. And then, you know, 15 years from now, I'm going to look and be like, how were there 23 Ice Age movies? Like when, when did right. that happen? And uh, yeah, I, I just... I think it's kind of a, a proper fit for that sort of deployment.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You know, even after, uh, even after all of the cast members are gone, you know, after Ray Romano and uh, John uh, Leguizamo and uh, all after they're gone, they'll still be making Ice Age movies. If the IP is still alive, Disney will, I <laughs> guarantee you, Disney will still be mining it. Um but uh yeah so uh that is releasing on disney plus exclusively january 28th next moving back into theatrical films uh we have moonfall uh roland emmerich coming back to disaster movies uh well did he ever leave he didn't but uh he he's coming back with hey he did a shakespeare movie movie once he did he did it's true (laughs) um but, you know, if, if, if you say the name Roland Emmerich to, you know, a casual viewer, they might not know who he is. But if they do, they're going to associate him with the disaster movies. Um, regardless, uh, this is um, a movie that I, I, I honestly was kind of confused about when I first heard it. Like, is the moon coming to Earth? Is there a creature inside the moon? What the hell is going on? And then I saw the cast and I was like, okay, I'll... I'll watch this, to say the least. You know, we have we have Patrick Wilson, Halle Berry, John Bradley, Michael Pena, Donald Sutherland. Those are people that I know and people that I like. So, you know, yeah.
1: I am going to out my lowbrow taste sometimes. I'm here and Mike Mills on the one hand. I like Roland Emmerich. And I understand that everyone... I understand this. I get it. Every one of his movies is like overlong. Every one of the movies, you're like, holy shit, please just chop like 40 minutes off of it, and it would be awesome. Every one of the movies has like the ridiculous disaster in the first 40 minutes, and then you're like, oh, there's 90 more minutes to go. <laughs> Yay. Uh, but I, I don't care. I like the spectacle. Maybe it's because I was like 10 when Independence Day came out at 11, whatever. I remember that vividly. I saw that in theaters. I saw Stargate in theaters. I saw his bad Godzilla movie. Like, I, I saw The Day After Tomorrow. I saw 10,000 BC, which is really awful I, you know all all these all these things what, what's the other one what's the one i'm missing oh 2012 2012 was mm-hmm. bad but amusing i i like yeah. the spectacle of big disaster stuff i don't know why it's probably because my mom used to take me to these sort of movies and and quite enjoys them uh i'm i'm totally in the bag for this i i could not tell you what the what the what is happening in this? I guess <laughs> it's like aliens live in the moon and have like nanobots yeah. or something like that. Which, mm-hmm. hooray, whatever. It looks like Roland Emmerich is going to spend, you know, one hundred fifty million dollars blowing shit up for two hours, and I'm I'm sold. It's a really <laughs> yeah. strange cast, but most of his movies have strange casts. It's it's really weird that Sam Tarley is going to be the the lead in a 150 million dollar <laughs> movie but whatever i'm I'll, yeah. I'll certainly be there i will be there opening night i i am yep same i here. won't actually that's a lie because i'm prioritizing another movie we're going to talk about mm. for a theatrical <laughs> experience uh but um yeah i I'm, I'm going to see this and i hope that it it delights me in its flagrant stupidity for 2 hours
0: absolutely yeah um yeah i i, I Fun, uh John John Bradley making two appearances in theatrical films uh in February. Moonfall and uh the uh theater and Peacock simultaneously uh releasing uh Marry Me, starring Owen Wilson and uh Jennifer Lopez. But regardless, that's I will be talking about that uh in, in, in two weeks' time.
1: I know um, what you're doing on Valentine's Day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man ah well if i if i can get away with it i will be watching this on peacock which i have uh, (laughs) not spending any more money on that um but regardless yes i echo uh everything that um that i uh that you said about moonfall it it looks ridiculous and dumb and insane uh much like many of roland emmerich's movies um i unfortunately saw independence day 2 in theaters uh that was when i was that was was when i (laughs) yeah that was when i was um Able to start to uh, go to theaters on my own, uh, and and I was like seeing everything I possibly could that was PG thirteen, and I saw Independence Day Resurgence, uh, and that that killed my optimism for honestly probably just a little <laughs> while, and then I went back the next week. But regardless, uh, <laughs> yeah, Moonfall just looks ridiculous, and it looks fun and insane. Um, reminds me of um, uh, an episode of Doctor Who from twenty fourteen. Do you watch Do you watch Doctor Who?
1: I have seen um, the first season of the reboot, but mm-hmm. or, you know the, the reboot that now spans like twelve years or whatever. Um, yeah. The the Christopher Eccleston Doctor mm-hmm. Who, and have not continued. I just don't. I we all we all catch on different <laughs> right. things. I I, I, right. I I'm 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 more of a. Star Trek for my hardcore nerdery or MCU bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. So I've seen one. I, I'm familiar with some of the like hallmarks of it, but I, I certainly don't have any specific right. episode by episode recall.
0: Yeah, there was an episode in uh, 2014. I'm I'm a Doctor Who nerd. There was an episode in uh, 2014 uh, during Peter Capaldi's time as the Doctor. Um, I don't know if you can hear my dog in the background. Uh, apologies for that, but. Uh, <laughs> <It's> fun, <okay. laughs> Yeah. So, uh, the, uh, Peter Capaldi was doctor who was the doctor in an episode where the moon was revealed to be a giant egg, uh, that, that had a, that had a baby dragon inside. And when the, oh, perfect there a, we and, and when the egg cracked open and the dragon flew away, it left another egg in its place. So th- the moon was just left, you know, th- there was, there was another moon. Um, and, uh, on the surface of the egg moon, there were like spider creatures that were, that, uh, that haunted me when I was young and I watched it. Um, but it, it, it was the first time I saw this trail, the trailer for Moonfall, it reminded me, uh, like, of, of of that just crazy shit happening on the moon and just you know not not giving it not giving a damn about the physics not that roland emmerich ever ca- has ever cared about physics um but just you know just having all the fun you can have with a premise is something that i can rely on roland emmerich for and so that 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 is what i'm looking forward to in in this movie so hopefully it's at least semi-decent uh that 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 is all i ask for <laughs> um <laughs> um But yeah, so uh, also releasing on February 4th, uh, the movie that uh, uh, Bernard will be prioritizing going to theaters for is Jackass Forever. The fifth, am I right about that? Fourth Fourth. uh, film in the Jackass series. As you can tell, I'm not the biggest Jackass fan. Um, But uh, yeah, yeah. So I'll just I'll just uh, uh, hand this over to you.
1: (laughs) All right. So. I get it these are these are stupid I understand that I I I am aware of it I'll say I don't even I don't even love the the TV show the original thing that much it's the movies that I think are unique and Mm -hmm. they are this weird bizarre almost documentarian um, study of like masculine ego and like bro relationships that I actually seriously I'm not I'm not trolling here that I think are fascinating (laughs) I, I think that they're they're like a fascinating portrait of like how dudes are shitty to one another and how they're bemused by the humor of being shitty to one another that I think actually legitimately artistically works. I mean it's worth it's worth taking a step back here. Spike Jones like directed one of these movies. He's involved in all of them. He's like part of the group of them. There are people who are not like stupid idiots who are part of this. There's some legitimate artistry behind what they're doing here. And look, there's a long history of slapstick. There's slapstick that is higher brow and lower brow. This is kind of the modern version of slapstick. And I actually, I, I, I know I'm an idiot. I get it. But I think it's funny. I think it's funny. I, I think when, when, when I see a dude chained to a chair, uh, you know, wh- while a bear comes in and there's salmon sitting on his crotch, I laugh. And I feel like the nerves and I feel the tension of like, wow, is this guy going to get his dick bit off by a bear? And it works for me on that very stupid basic level. I grew up a pro wrestling fan. Uh, I went to shows when I was a little kid and now I watch it with my son. And there's a there's like a, a, a weird intrinsic thing. Have you ever been to a pro wrestling show?
0: Nope. Never, so never like watched weird... it. I don't know any, <laughs> anything well, about like a, <laughs> it.
1: It's the same sort of like, you know, like it's kind of like it's almost like dance. It, there, mm-hmm. there, there's a, there's a, an artistry to what they're doing beyond like the stupid soap opera of it, where when someone climbs a ladder and is like trying to, you know, grab a hanging belt from the rafters or something like that, and that ladder may or may not get pushed over and they're going to like fall through three tables or something if the ladder gets pushed over and land in a pile <laughs> of thumbtacks or something like that. That is actually like, it makes your pulse pound because there's, there's a, a, a reality to it that is otherwise absent from so much of the like weightless CGI entertainment that we all watch and love and adore and get up in the morning and watch the disappointing boba fett show uh, <laughs> as i did today um, same here <laughs> uh, yeah I I, I I like it i i think it's funny i i i i just it it is
0: this is jackass just... fett right <laughs> yeah, well yeah yeah, yeah I, I don't really like boba fett
1: jackass forever i i just i think i think it's going to be good I'm happy to bring all these dum dums back together. It's weird that they're training like a new generation of them, so maybe it's gonna keep going. Uh I am I'm very excited. And I know that there's bad grandpa, but I'm not counting that as a real jackass movie. That's like a Borat thing. It, yeah. I want the core. Give me my my jackass, my jackass number two, my jackass mm-hmm. 3D, and my jackass forever. That's what I want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I I have seen this trailer in theaters. So many times, especially because this has been <laughs> yeah. the release date for this has been pushed a bunch, um. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in all likelihood not going to see this. I, I don't really have a, have a connection to the to the jackass folks, or but, but, but you know, I, well, you, I, you don't have a fifteen year
1: relationship with Preston
0: Lacey or something. <laughs> I, I do agree with with what you were saying, though. You know, it's 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 just part like like the tension. You know, you know imagining the potential outcomes it's fun you know it's it's fun watching these people do absolutely ridiculous things that you would never ever do yourself um I like uh I don't, I don't know if there's if they've done this before but at the end of every trailer there's a there's a screen that says uh, you know like uh, neither you nor your dumb little buddy should attempt anything from from this movie I've seen the trailer enough that I've been reading to read that I've been able to read the whole thing even if it like even though it goes by in like a second and a half um, but I, I I just think it's it's hilarious and yeah I mean that I Eric Andre's in this one I, I like Eric Andre I like his incredibly ridiculous show on um, Adult Swim but uh, yeah yeah you know it, it's just Yeah.
1: He did that net the Netflix movie that's kind of similar, right? The Uh, one uh, Bad Trip, I think. Bad Trip, yeah. That was that was pretty funny. That's that's Mm -hmm. sort of more like the the bad grandpa where it
0: has like a quasi plot to it sort of
1: thing. But that's the same sort of that's the same sort of like comedic screwing with people stuff that Jackass does. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, eventually, just like, just like Ice Age. If I do a, if I do a Jackass binge, at, <laughs> at some this point, one you I, should
1: do. You should do a Jackass yeah. binge. You shouldn't, you shouldn't yeah.
0: do a, an Ice Age binge. You should dedicate yeah. your time
1: to a Jackass binge.
0: When I, when I, when I'm moving back to school next week and uh, you know starting classes, that's all I'm gonna have playing on the TV. Ju- just, the Jackass I, movies. <laughs> you, you should start
1: with the show and just work yeah. your way through it. That should be it. Just your like background noise because yeah. there's a lot of like downtime too. It's right. a lot of like setup and them joking with one another. And then something happens. It's 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 almost
0: perfect, like background noise television. Yeah. Do you think I'll like if I uh, if I somehow don't have enough time to watch all the jackass movies and shows (laughs) before jackass forever? Do you think I will be able to watch this one without having seen any of the other ones?
1: I, I suspect you'll survive. I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah. think there's a lot of plot cohesion. I don't know. I. I, I think. Uh, I think
0: one you of them. You mean they're not going to reference back to like Jackass Two and you know something minuscule s- said there?
1: <laughs> I actually think some of the jokes will end up being callbacks, and they'll be mm-hmm. like riffs to prior things that have happened, right. or people that have guess, guessed guessed in these things in the past. But um, and you know they'll probably acknowledge that one of them died. From driving like 150 miles an hour on the highway or something like that, uh, since the last movie, and I think Ben Margera got fired for being a drug addict or something like that. But yeah. whatever, you'll you'll catch up. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, we're still we still haven't reached quite reached the uh, the blockbuster point. Um, you know, I, I we we won't really get there. However, uh, I do talk about this in my most anticipated of 2022 episode. But this year is insanely stacked with movies that that are coming out movies and tv shows like you know stuff that's been you know planned filmed pre-covid that they've been waiting to release and filmed during COVID that they've been waiting to release you know we are getting so much this year and you know we're only seeing the uh uh, uh, the start of that now, especially with movies like Three Five Five and King Star that have been, you know, sort of dumped at the beginning of this year, and then and, and now we're getting, you know, Jackass, Moonfall, Ice Age, and then you know we're gonna start to get, you know, uh, you know, Doctor Strange, and then Thor, you know, within like within like two months of each other, and then all all hell is going to break loose, and I am honestly super excited for that to be going to the theater a couple times a week, uh, to see a, a, a to see a big um. I, I, as you would uh, phrase it a cgi bullshit uh movie but, uh, <laughs> i love
1: my cgi bullshit <laughs> movies just put dr strange right into my vein yeah right now. exactly <laughs>
0: assuming that um, it, it seems
1: the cast of of wakanda forever has finally gotten vaccinated so maybe that movie mm-hmm. will come out this year also
0: hopefully think fingers crossed uh, i think it's scheduled for november right now it but, is you know, but they, yeah.
1: they they have six weeks of filming to go that they just picked up yeah. Yeah. Definitely not because Letitia Wright refused to get vaccinated for definitely months, and, months and couldn't get yeah. back into the country. That's definitely not the reason why.
0: I could I I could hang my head for a while just just running running that through my mind. But I'm Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is this is an audio podcast and that would not be interesting. Uh, anyway, so next, uh, we have two more segments left of this show. Uh, the next one is called The Spotlight, uh, and uh, every week we count down five of our favorites in a particular category. Usually it's five movies, uh, but this week uh, we are going to do five franchises, specifically horror franchises. Uh, because of the inclusion of Scream this week, a, a movie that uh, that pokes fun at horror and horror franchises uh, generally, uh, we are going to count down our top five uh, horror franchises franchises uh, i have five honorable mentions afterward um but uh yeah there in my research there were not as many f- you know f- franchises as i was uh expecting you know i mean i mean everyone knows you know the big ones friday the 13th nightmare on elm street and those One at least one of those appears on my list um but you know there are you know some like we were talking before the show about whether jaws counts as a horror franchise and and and, and i'm not trying to impinge on whether or not it shows up on your list i uh, suspect it doesn't um but um uh, <laughs> but yeah and and so i mean really it's whatever you would consider to be horror you know jaws has certainly has horror elements i have seen horror youtubers and and people who you know specifically talk about horror cover jaws um but uh yeah yeah you know it's really it's it's really an in the eye of the beholder type of thing but most of the ones that show up on at least least my list are pretty straight and pretty famous uh horror um series so um yeah so what we'll do is uh we will alternate Uh, i will say my number five bernard will say his number five uh and then we will um and then we'll alternate uh should uh we um so should i have one higher on my list that bernard says lower on his list uh, i will be able to trump him and we will come back to it when it is uh highest on my list uh because of the um because of the you know the the there there really aren't that many horror franchises i suspected i suspect there will be a little bit of trumping um but uh yeah so uh i guess i will start us right off uh, my number five is nightmare on elm street i'm not um, gonna trump you yeah yeah uh so nightmare on elm street it's I think the first one is the best of the series. I feel like you you, you know. I think New Nightmare makes a pretty good case, but the first film is is certainly, in my opinion, the best of the series. Uh, Wes Craven's a master, uh, even though he didn't really come back to any of the sequels before New Nightmare. Uh, I think that this is certainly one of the more creative horror franchises, especially in its, uh, especially in with the with the kills that we're supposed to get uh, pleasure out of. and uh, yeah, you know, it's with a character like Freddy Krueger, who, you know, in the sequels eventually Del uh, becomes basically a, a comedic character. Um, but I but I think Robert England just plays him perfectly and he's just perfectly ridiculous and crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, the sequels may not be necessarily good. Um, but, you know, when you get to, you know, especially when you get to the the sixth one that's introducing, oh, you know, Freddy's daughter and Freddy's family and, you know, like all, all this backstory that we didn't know before dream demons that that made freddy you know who who he is it's just like it's it's just you gotta be you really gotta be into what you're watching and just sort of sit back and enjoy the enjoy the ride for the for the you know honestly incredibly dumb thing that it is um but uh, yeah so i i would say the first one new nightmare and i'm gonna say freddy versus jason screw whoever doesn't like that movie it's really fun really really dumb but really really fun so uh so yeah
1: so my number five is gonna. Uh, you you've already impugned the credibility of my number five, but I'm doing it anyway, and I know it's probably more adventure than horror, but I don't care. It is my list, and my number five is going to be the Jaws franchise. Mm. And and here there's a there's a twofold reason why. Number one, I I I think all of these franchises we're going to talk about are largely led by one or two films that carry the weight of why we love them so much, and then it's just talking about the diminishing returns of the sequels from there and which ones have slightly higher highs along the way. I, I think that jaws has perhaps the highest high of any of these except for one other one that's going to show up on my list. I I think it is you know about as perfect as films get. I think it's about as masterful as films get. I think jaws 2 is fine. I really do. I think it's. I think it's a pretty watchable dumb shark movie. Here's where I'm going to go off the grid. Uh, Jaws: The Revenge is terrible. The you know Michael <laughs> Caine. We we joked about this before we started recording. Michael Caine is the famous quote that he's never seen Jaws: The Revenge, but he's heard it's horrible. Ah, uh, but he's seen the house that the paycheck from Jaws: The Revenge built, and it is spectacular. And Michael, my friend, if you ever want to come on my podcast, you're you're welcome to talk about this. I would love to hear it. Jaws: The Revenge is quite terrible. I can tell you all about it. Uh, But Jaws 3D is where I'm going to go off grid and just say that I like Jaws 3D. It is deliriously stupid. It is if a Jaws-esque shark gets into SeaWorld. And somehow manages to start eating the people in in a SeaWorld-esque thing. There's like a baby Dennis Quaid in this movie. Probably about the same age as Jack Quaid in Scream 5. Yeah. And uh, it, this movie, I, I understand that it is terrible, but I love it. I rented it on a VHS tape. I... I know you've heard of those at least. I rented you're dating, it under yourself here, Bernard. <laughs> like dozens of times from the not even a blockbuster, like the local shitty place near where I grew up because I I adored it so. I, I cannot pretend that you should watch Jaws 3D. I cannot pretend that it is it is this is an objectively correct thing. That movie means something to me. It makes my heart feel happy. So Jaws will be my number 5 ranking
0: very nice very nice i've actually only seen the first one in full because why would i you know dedicate my hard-earned time uh to watch (laughs) any of the sequels but who knows who knows i am not a completionist but who knows what the future holds and i i really don't think there are going to be any more of these until it's eventually remade in 50 years um for the 100th anniversary (gasps) but yes, i know i know (laughs) um my number four uh is a franchise that has i mean I I could say this about most of the franchises on this list that has some truly terrible movies and that is Saw. However, what I really really love about the Saw movies is how like is how much detail and attention is paid to continuity and how much it feels like the world's most expensive TV show before the MCU shows of course blew that out of the water with like 15 million dollars per episode. Um but uh yeah, I uh, I own all of the jaws movies on i own all the jaws movies on blu-ray i'm hold, holding them up right here uh, i got them uh, I, I i think my girlfriend bought them for me last year for my birthday um and uh, i watched all of them for the first time uh, except for the first one uh which i had seen already um but yeah uh and in 2021 we got uh, spiral from the book of saw which was quite terrible um but it, <laughs> but you know it is what it is um but uh, you know, Jigsaw and Spiral pretty much completely, you know, blow off the the hard, the well built continuity that the first seven films had built. And even though you know, uh, after three and uh, minus six, uh, they're 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 just god awful and interminable to sit through. But at least. It, at, 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 at least they're creative not in not just in the way of 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 killing people like nightmare on elm street did but just you know the the fact that they were churning these out at the rate that they could afford to in in saw um in saw five or six they introduce a box that's given to uh a character and they don't even reveal that what's in the box until the next movie and like no one like not really. No one watching it in theaters a year later without having rewatched the one beforehand is going to remember that 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 there's a box. But I think they knew that people would be watching these. That that people might be binging these. People would be watching these, rewatching them, uh, in order. And I just think that it's absolutely fascinating uh, that a franchise that, that you know, arguably, you know, uh, maybe popularized the whole quote unquote torture porn uh, era of of, of horror. Um, you know, you know, that, that that it chose to be so serialized and so uh, and so um, and just so succinct in its, you know, in, in its follow ups until we got to the eighth one that just, uh, you know, disparaged all the continuity and decided to uh, gave the big middle finger to the rest of the franchise. But regardless, yeah, Saw is my it, number four.
1: It, it would be my number six for basically mm-hmm. all the reasons nice. you said. I will say I saw it in theaters, you know, year by year, or in, I guess mm-hmm. some cases every two years. And I can distinctly remember the feeling of being, wow, I am lost. I don't remember any of these details. Like, I, I remember that, that Donnie Wahlberg was in the last movie, and that's about yep. all I got. Or, oh, hey, yeah. Gary Elways is is alive again, and right. that's all I got. And that, that, right. that's six sort movies of
0: later. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it, it, is, it is, though, it is that TV show type thing. The, you know and you know, some of them are out of order and set before the other ones and everything else I, I think it is it is a sort of nifty exercise going back through them. Uh, I, I do think it's a lot of the movies are are, are bad but uh, absolutely uh, a lot of the performances are particularly bad, but I think it is a fascinating series and would, would probably be next for me because it is it is so interesting the way they've they've structured it. and I agree with you that spiral is bad. Yeah.
0: Unfortunately, I, I really wanted to like it. It it had a lot yeah. going for it. Like Samuel L. Jackson showing up for a few minutes. I could have really been on board with that, but the rest of the movie just let me down so much that I just couldn't
1: It's too bad I like I like Chris Rock in some things. He was just mm-hmm. and I know it was a passion project for him. He really wanted to do this thing, but it, I I found he was the element of it that really didn't work for me. Yeah. Um my number four is gonna be similar to Jaws, where it's very much carried by the first entrant. But I think the third entrant in this series is actually kind of good in places. Uh, and the fifth or fourth, depending on how you think of it, entrant, at least has a very interesting director slash crazy person behind it. And that's going to be the Exorcist franchise. So the Exorcist is a, a, you know very possibly the finest horror film ever made. I think it is a straight up masterpiece. The second one, subtitled Heretic, is just a dog and you should avoid it the third one is kind of interesting it is it is written and directed by the guy who wrote who wrote the book upon which the first exorcist is is directed it, it is, or is is based and there are george c scott is in it there are some actually chilling sequences in it there there's this sort of i don't want to I actually think it's worth watching i don't want to spoil it but there's this hallway scene that is actually very scary that i think has gone down as one of the kind of like revisionist legendary uh scenes in horror over the last you know 30 or 40 years then there was a, a movie called uh dominion written and directed or i think really just directed by paul schrader who's known in in modern times for doing very good movies like The Card Counter and First Reformed, who also wrote Taxi Driver and a lot of legendary movies, and who has also made some very very dog shit things over the course of his career. Uh, optimism. <laughs> yeah. Optimism. Sorry. So they took the movie away from him and Rennie Harlan, who who directed a, a movie I quite like, Deep Blue Sea, uh, was brought in to like take it over and reshoot it and scrap most of it. And I think he like scrapped like 80 or 90 percent of it and then, you know, redid it and it flopped terribly and the movie was was very bad. So then a couple of years later, they were like. We're gonna do the original Snyder cut, and you know let Schrader finish his movie, which they also released and nobody saw or liked. But I at least think it's interesting. And Schrader is at least someone who, even when he misfires, is a is an interesting director with a lot of complex ideas. And look, he wrote The Last Temptation of Christ. He's someone who has a lot of struggles with faith in his work, and it it does attempt to I think in a fairly serious way grapple with you know the weight of faith in the structure of one of these kind of goofy exorcism movies. I I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's enough of an interesting thing to pop this series into the fourth place on my list. So we have the Exorcist mm-hmm. franchise, fourth.
0: Very nice. I only watched the first film uh, I had virtual school for most of senior year, and uh, th- at the end of the year, I we didn't have exams, so I had much less of a uh, much less of a reason to pay attention to class. And so I watched The Exorcist for the first time uh, in my English class, and that was I actually ha- had a lot of fun with it. Um, <laughs> and uh, my my only other experience with the franchise, aside from seeing the news articles that David Gordon Green is uh, is apparently doing yeah. a new trilogy, um, and uh, that's a choice, in, yeah, for like.
1: <laughs> $200 dollars or something also. It's crazy right. but
0: um, so my only other experience was in a class uh, last semester my um it, it was a it was a genre class, and so my teacher uh, showed us a lot of horror clips and we did a class a, a whole class period on jump scares, and hmm. she showed us the infamous scene from the Exorcist three. Uh, uh, those of you who have seen it <laughs> know what I'm talking about uh, the scene in the hospital um arguably in my opinion, one of the best jump scares of all time. Um, But, uh, but yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I don't know if I'm ever going to watch the rest of the series. Um, it's, it's like a lot of other ones that I haven't seen that I, I just, I, I've just heard such bad things about some of them and middling things about others that I really have not much motivation to watch it. Um, but you know, I'm watching, I'm watching all of Friday the 13th right now. So (laughs) who knows? Um, Regardless, my number three is uh, Alien, the Alien franchise. Um,
1: I'm, I, I guess I'm going to pull the, the trump card here.
0: Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Great, great. So I guess we're we're over to your number three.
1: Oh, yeah. All right. So my number three is uh, a franchise we're here to talk about today. It's going to be the Scream franchise.
0: Ah, and I will trump that.
1: Figured that was coming.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. On to number two. <laughs> on to number two. Uh, my number two is the Evil Dead series. Hmm. Uh, not that making be, my list, uh, but a good choice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that'll be uh, Sam Raimi's uh, original three films, and I'm also counting. Um, I have not seen the the uh, remake uh, from 2013, so I can't, in good conscience, include that. But I can include Ash versus Evil Dead, the Stars series that ran for three seasons. Um, have you seen that? Uh, I've seen the first season of it. It's just mm-hmm.
1: I, I have this like brain issue where i watch the first seasons of shows and then if it's not like shoved down my throat (laughs) it's time to come back that i just like don't come back because there's always new stuff it's hard to go watch like ash versus the evil dead season two when i'm like oh my god i have to watch yellow jackets or station 11 Mm -hmm. it's just and it's on ending so uh no i have not seen the the sequel seasons though i gather they're better than the first season
0: so much better season two especially is is probably the best it it gets so ridiculous they go back in time to the events of the first two films and it's like i mean you know i was talking about the attention to detail with saw (laughs) ash versus evil dead is like nope we don't care about the timeline we could do whatever the fuck we want and it's awesome um but regardless uh the evil dead franchise uh in in general i really really love Uh, a couple years ago i it was in the summer i didn't i wasn't working yet and i was bored and so i sat down and i watched all of the evil dead movies in a row evil dead evil dead 2 and army of darkness and then i walked down to my dad's office down the street and i told him what i had done and he said you should have asked me first um but uh yeah so uh the evil dead series i really like them i like most people think that the second one is better it's basically a uh, just a a, a remake of, of of the first one um but i think it's it's just the right l- amounts of just ridiculous and crazy and what the fuckness especially the third one when he goes back in time uh to the uh, medieval period uh they can really just you know sort of uh play in the medieval sandbox and do whatever they want with the factors that they had at the, at the beginning you know there are a lot of contrivances here uh because, of, of course, they're going to be when you have a horror, uh, you know, the movie that um, one of the movies that pioneered the whole cabin in the woods concept, and then you bring it back to the 1500s in the in the. The next uh, installment, you know, it's it's not a lot is going to make sense, and it, it doesn't really matter if it doesn't. Um, Ash versus Evil Dead as well is just is just so much fun. Uh, you know, it's it's Bruce Campbell letting uh, basically letting him do what he does best. I think um, I, I haven't seen a ton of his movies. Um, but you know he uh he he is this is the perfect character for him i think uh he did another movie that i have weirdly seen called my name is bruce have you seen this one bernard
1: i know of it i've not
0: seen mm-hmm. it yeah uh it's basically bruce campbell playing bruce campbell who played um i believe he like it's it's a fictionalized version of him so he played a character like ash and then he goes to a town and supernatural stuff starts happening so he has to you know he has to uh he has to become his character in order to to, to defeat this um
1: did this, did this come bef- before or after jcvd
0: uh my name that could be solved by a quick google search <laughs> I, I just asked, are, are you familiar with jcvd uh not not fully familiar no it's the same it's the same rough
1: concept but with jean-claude van damme playing an mm-hmm. arch version of himself uh who's then pulled in to have to save the day in a hostage crisis it's actually quite good and i certainly don't think that john claude van damme is a good actor usually but that that's right. good and they they made a spin-off show that on amazon that i don't think got picked up to series or maybe i got one season that was i, I watched no where as was Step good but, but yeah. yeah
0: um back in so the day when my, we got our pilots but right <laughs> my name is bruce came out the year before jcvd wow um, oh so, JCVD yeah. is the ripoff damn it yeah <laughs> um but yeah, 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 you know, just just everything about this franchise um is is just absolutely ridiculous and that's how I that's how I love my horror franchises for the most part. Um so, yeah.
1: So, my uh number two I'm up to is also the Dead series, but the Romero Dead series.
0: Ah um
1: i i like zombies i like zombie stories i think they're effective uh this is going to be the george a romero night of the living dead dawn of the dead day of the dead i guess technically land of the dead and diary of the dead and survival of the dead are all part of this series and of, across the board quite bad i think they're making two more because they're like unproduced scripts that he had finished and they're going to try to have somebody else come in and make them which i think would be wonderful because george is is great uh the first three in the series I, I think Dawn is probably the best of the series. I think all three of the of the originals are special in their own way. I think that they do the thing that horror can can be effectively deployed to do as social commentary extraordinarily well. I think on racial, gender and economic issues, Romero is uh, uncannily ahead of his time to think that the storytelling that happens about you know, race and, and othering in Night of the Living Dead in 1968 is incredibly impressive. I mean, the he was so ahead of the tide of the consumerism wave of the 80s and the sort of Reagan-America cycle with Dawn of the Dead in 78, which is set in a fucking shopping mall. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, is, it is incredibly good. Day is also good, though perhaps a little less, you know, worldly and smart. It still has, it still deals with issues. I just think that, you know... It, I'm not saying everything needs to be uh, the Duke and a serious-minded um, analysis of of you know of of an important issue. I don't think everything needs to be Midsommar or you know an Eggers movie or something like that. But I think Romero really hits the sweet spot of social commentary and the fun of what a horror movie can be. I, I, look, we talked about Scream Five, and one of the riffs in Scream Five is our horror doesn't need to be pretentious. There's supposed to be something fun about it. And I think Romero is someone who understands that balance extraordinarily well, especially early in his career. So I, I think that, I even think the the bad later dead movies are worth watching. Maybe not the found footage one, that one is particularly awful, but the, you know, the the land of the dead where like di- like evil Dennis Hopper like runs a <laughs> city in the middle of like a zombie horde. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's it at least has some merit to consider so uh yeah the dead series or the night of the living dead series is going to be my number two entry here
0: Mm, yeah um i haven't seen nearly enough of them to put it to to be able to put it on my list um but you know the first one is just so so i um iconic that's i i think actually think that's the only one i've seen um this is a this is a series that i would maybe i wouldn't watch all of them uh in, in in one in one go but i would i would um this is probably one of the ones that I would be more inclined to dedicating myself to, as opposed to some of the other ones, especially those in my honorable mentions. I think uh, Dawn is the single
1: best movie we've talked about today mm-hmm. that I, I don't think you've seen I, that that's, yeah. if there's one, one thought for, you know, critic to critic friend here uh, that mm-hmm. I think you should watch. It's Dawn of the dead. That is, that is a very special movie. Hell, yeah, even the Snyder, not... I, I hate Zack Snyder, but the Zack Snyder version is is kind of good too. It it misses the point in some important ways, but it, I think it's, it's his best movie
0: also. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, my number one is one that has been... That, that, that as Bernard mentioned, we are here to talk about today, and that is the Scream franchise. Um, I love, love, love it. Uh, I, I even have some love in my heart for Scream 3, despite it doing not a lot of stuff right. But there were a lot of... You know, admittedly, there were a lot of factors that were against it, you know, in, in real world, behind the scenes and such. Um, and and I, I really think it does a fine job with what it was given. Um, you know, just... We we talked about it a lot at the, at the top of the show, but just the meta ness, the fact that it keeps up with the genre, and then the genre kept up with it after the first scream was 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 released. I just think it's it's the first film is is absolutely genius on many levels, um, and uh, and 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 the sequels have have their own merits, even three. Uh, so yeah.
1: Uh, and my number one is going, I agree with you on everything you said. And obviously we've sang the praises of, of Scream plenty today. Uh, my number one is going to be Alien series. I, I think that Alien is one of the greatest horror movies ever made. One of the greatest slasher movies ever made. I know it's also a sci-fi movie, but whatever, it's my list. Uh, I understand <laughs> that Aliens is probably not a horror movie, but I get to count it. It's part of the franchise. So Aliens. <laughs> so I get, I get one of the greatest action movies ever made as part of my number one pick. I think Aliens 3 is an interesting Misfire. I think Alien Resurrection should be forgotten. Prometheus, very interesting, flawed, but fascinating movie. Covenant has some great horror moments. Yeah, I know you got the poster <laughs> behind you. The, the, the self-abortion scene in Covenant is genuinely chilling. There's an argument that through the metaverse, I get to count the Predator movies here mm. too. In which case, I would say the first one is good, but the surprisingly good one is the Nimrod Antel one, which is pretty good with with Adrian Brody and Lawrence Fishburne and like a cast of awesome TV actors like Walton Goggins and stuff in it. And if I get to count the Predator movies as part of it, even easier. But even if I don't, I'm very I'm very content to to roll with the Alien franchise as something that has been deeply important to my love of film, uh, my love of horror, and uh, yeah, I I think that all of them even even resurrection have, have things about them worth, worth watching and horror moments about them that are worth watching.
0: Yeah. Um, alien was, was, was my number three. I echo everything you said. It's, I mean, it's the first one and second one especially are just so well made and they are very, very different movies and they work on very, very different levels, but they're both just so good. Um, The third one, I, I granted, I saw it before I developed more of a critical mind, um, but I I still think it's fine. Uh, You know, there's um, it's the setting just. Is um you know it it just doesn't really allow for any visual creativity uh, and and the acting is just not great and it <laughs> it it retcons everything that you might have been excited about after Aliens, um but uh, but but yeah I think otherwise it's um you know th- this franchise is great I am an unabashed lover of Prometheus and Covenant Covenant was one of those that I saw in theaters alone when when it came out and I just had such a fun time uh, you know it's it's just it takes it takes itself more seriously than i think it should have but i think the franchise was at the point where it could have gone down the road of self-parody or could it or or it could have gone down the road that it did which is more philosophical and more you know more thought provoking or at least trying to be um and i think that 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 really worked for me personally um So yeah, that is, that is the, the alien series. It
1: occurs Um, to me, I get the Noah Hawley TV show. That definitely counts when that comes out down the line. I'm excited for that. absolutely. Love Noah Hawley's TV and not film work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You you know, hopefully that'll, um, that will be uh, more of a, you know, hopefully they can do whatever they want in terms of violence and mature content. Yeah. yeah. I think, because
1: I think it's pretty clear. He can do whatever he wants. Good. Cause that's yeah, really yeah. under the, it's under the like FX Hulu umbrella. Right. And that, which <laughs> I, I know we have our, our cringes about Disney, but I, I think that, you know, that that's largely been left alone. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, um, I, I recently got Hulu. Uh, I I got it with a uh, with a student subscription, um, and and so I've been I've been sort of checking out the shows on there, uh, and 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 I do think you know FX shows are best when they are. When they're sort of freed from the network parameters and they can basically do um, whatever they want, I must admit I don't really understand the whole FX on Hulu concept. If it's just sort of like a Hulu original, maybe it's like FX producing it, but I guess really they're all kind of the same company, regardless.
1: It's like the um, it's like the A24 on Apple thing. So they want right. the you know their Apple will essentially pay A24 to make movies for the Apple mm-hmm. service that will have like the. The quality stamp. I mean, we're, we treat Tragedy of Macbeth or um, On the Rocks differently, sort of intellectually, because we know that they're coming from A24 as film nerds. They just they just feel more important. So I, I know mm-hmm. I, I'm far more apt to watch one of those FX on Hulu shows, and not just the ones that air on FX and come on the next day. I, if I see the FX logo, my brain is like, but I'm old. So I remember watching The Shield on <laughs> FX when that was like the only thing like it on, that wasn't on pay TV. That was just on standard cable. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that and I'm like, fuck yeah, I have some faith in the FX brand. If I see it's just a Hulu show, I'm like, mm, there's a lot of bad right. there. So I think, yeah. you know, it, it pays dividends. You just have to be careful of how quickly you sell out and abandon the brand value you've built up, which is the HBO Max dilemma
0: exactly yeah uh hbo max i will say i don't know if this is a hot take or not is my favorite streaming service um I, I i think they just have some of the best content i mean the interface is not great but none of the streaming service interfaces are particularly um amazing but regardless um yeah uh let's before we move on to our last segment uh honorable mentions uh what what uh, do you have any i guess
1: uh, I, I have i have a hall bunch I, I thought about some I, I i thought about the classic slasher movies your halloween your nightmare on elm street your friday the 13th I, texas chainsaw master would probably rate best for me just because i i i find the original genuinely upsetting all the sequels are are very bad but texas chainsaw would be up there i kind of like critters I know it's weird and no one cares about it i, I the purge i think is sort of interesting if, if maybe more of an action movie and my guilty one that I know they're all bad, but I don't care. I like them, and every time I drive on a highway, I think of them. That's the final destination series.
0: Mm. Yeah, <laughs> um, we were showed the uh, the highway crash scene in Driver's Ed. Uh, oh, that's he, perverse. Uh yeah yeah um and 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 i i knew what what movie that was from i had not seen it uh at that point but i just i was just having so much fun because i knew like i knew a lot of the behind the scenes things and and i was just looking for like the blow-up doll in the car that they uh that they used when the when the log crashes into the guy's windshield i just think it's i i I just found it hilarious but honestly it's it 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 is kind of fucked up to show in that class but (laughs) regardless they're trying to scare right it's right. like telling...
1: death coming for this asshole kid it's
0: like... <laughs> yeah telling um you know they they, they t- tell us all these stories you know like these are how people died when driving cars <laughs> and 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 then i look it up later and and and, and like the stats are like like so <laughs> like the chance of that you know this is the very specific scenario that they gave us the chance of anything like that actually happening is just so low and i just think it's 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 so funny um In a, in a, in, in a very perverse way, but regardless, um, in terms of honorable mentions, I would like to shout out uh, child's play. I think there are some really good ones there. Um, the conjuring, I, uh, I, I know a lot of people don't like some of the conjuring movies. I, even the nun I think is, is, is pretty scary if nothing else. Um, and, uh, the conjuring Two. uh, I am not ashamed to say it is, yeah, it is, it is up there in my, in my uh, top 20 horror movies. Um and uh yeah and uh, also hellraiser not a great yeah. franchise but the first four which are the only ones i've seen are at least decently interesting and they try to do different things um i recently read uh, clive barker's the hellbound heart which the first hellraiser is based on uh and and i was <laughs> honestly shocked at how um at how uh you know um, exactly like the first movie the book is because barker i think he was a first-time director and so he didn't he didn't he wasn't really sure how to adapt his own work so he just took everything that was on the page and put it on screen uh with some with some minor minor changes but i just thought that that was fascinating um yeah and 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 just the you know the absolutely iconic image of the character of pinhead um it yeah. it, it it just uh, can't be denied but you know uh, hellraiser it at least tries new things that I could say about some of the ones on these honorable mentions, like child's play is fun. Uh, you know, conjuring is, is fun at first and then it gets pretty dour and disappointing in the sequels. Um, and, and Hellraiser is also pretty interesting. Uh, so uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see the new one with uh, Jamie Clayton from sensei. Mm.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a Hulu original. I, I think, Oh man. Um,
1: now now I say that yeah. right after I poo pooed on Hulu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah eating your words anyway um so our last segment today it is uh this episode will come out um i believe this is the end of the month episode technically even though it's coming out uh i guess it's coming out the 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 25th um but uh so yeah so this is the technically the end of the month episode and so uh we have a list of four uh things that we have um Watched, played, read from this past month. It could be anything. I tend to lead towards movies because I watch a lot of those. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I have four. Um, I don't know how many you have, uh, Bernard. Um, I also have four. I have one question. A rules yes, question. Yes, of course. Is it
1: something that I have experienced for the first time in this past month, or is it something that has been made available to the world for the first time in this past month?
0: Uh, no, it is something that you have a uh, okay. you have experienced specifically. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah. Why don't you Why don't you start off since I started off with the with the list.
1: Sure. Uh, the first one I'll say, I, I will go with a video game here. Um, I don't really have time for video games much these days, but uh, I did play a 2D side-scroller called, and I don't even know how to pronounce this, Kaze, Kaze, K-A-Z-A, or K-A-Z-E, sorry, and the Wild Masks. Uh, it's I, I, I miss old-fashioned side-scrollers, like when I was growing up, the sort of Mario Sonic-esque games, and I'm simply not dexterous enough for the Super meat boy hardcore versions cuphead hardcore versions of these I found this one to be like the perfectly pleasant mix of something that is legitimately challenging more challenging than a Mario game but you know uh, approachable and not something that you need to play the same level you know 800 times in a row to make any progress so I, I the artwork is is quite wonderful uh, this is a this is a good game it's I I really enjoyed it
0: mm-hmm Excellent. Excellent. Um, I, I've never been a, a big video gamer. Uh, you know, it, I, um, I, I I, just never got into it when I was younger. But I did recently play, um, recently is in the last uh, year or so, uh, The Last of Us and its sequel. Okay. I, I'm, I almost finished playing that. It's the sequel so long. Um, but uh, but but yeah, yeah. So I haven't had too much experience with video games. But my friend had me play Last of Us uh, because it was a very cinematic game and he thought that would appeal to me. And it did. Um it's good anyway game.
1: and I think I think the show's
0: going to be It is. Great. Yes, absolutely. You know, 10 episodes. I think it's one of the most expensive shows HBO's ever done. Um, you know, great cast. I I I talk about that more. Self-plug. More on the next week's episode of Most Anticipated of 2022. Ah, um, yeah. Yes. So my first uh one is Fargo, the Coen Brothers film that I watched for the first time. Oh, uh, welcome to the party. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um I uh have been wondering about this movie ever since I saw a snow globe that my dad has downstairs that is uh, the scene in the film where the guy gets shot and falls in the snow. Uh, I <laughs> And then I watched Tucker and Dale with my dad, and I said, uh, where would anyone get the idea of putting a body through a wood chipper? And my, and my dad said, well, the Coen brothers. <laughs> um so, yes, so I am working my way through some of the classics that I have not seen, which is, as I look at the list, a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, Fargo, I re- I recently watched for the first time. Uh, I was dying when the characters open their mouths and the accents spurred spurred forth and i was talking with my dad yesterday and he said that one of his um one of his siblings just uh, came back recently from that area and he said that's not a parody that's how people there talk <laughs> and i i think that's so incredible um you know, just uh, Francis McDormand is great. Steve, Steve Buscemi is awesome. Uh, and it's, uh, and uh, William H. Macy William too. H. And, Macy, yeah. 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 Uh, it's just, it's just such, such a fun movie. And now I, I totally get, um, I, I, I totally get the hype. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, just the, um, just the, the opening shot, uh, that, that that's just white. And then we sort of get, into the like into the snow it's it's a perfect indicator of what you can expect because if you know anything about the movie you know that the snow is not going to stay white it is going to be stained with something very brightly colored uh and 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 i just think that you know knowing maybe me knowing what i know enhanced my experience knowing how violent it was going to be i guess maybe that sort of toned down the surprise factor a little bit when all these characters are getting shot um but i just think it's 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 great and i had a really fun time with it so
1: Love the Coens. (laughs) Um, My my second recommendation will be a a TV show that I just finished. Uh, It is on HBO Max, not HBO, uh, called Station Eleven. And Station Eleven is about a pandemic that uh, kills 99.9% of life on the planet uh, and then the sort of world after. And it is told in, I hate to say in a Lost-esque structure, but it's the easiest way to explain it, that tells of the time before the pandemic, the time during the pandemic, and then a time 20 years later focused on a traveling troupe of Shakespearean actors in the post-apocalyptic world. And this is not the sort of um, Walking Dead misery grind that apocalyptic (laughs) shows are. I think it's far more heartfelt. It's moving. I, I think there's real character dynamic and texture that is is incredibly impressive. Uh, there are a lot of fairly famous people in this in this show, miniseries, whatever, like Mackenzie Davis, who was in the Terminator movie and Halt and Catch Fire, uh Himish Patel, who was in uh the Beatles movie, the Danny Boyle Beatles movie. But uh, the real standout for me is a, an Irish stage actor named David Wilmot, who I was not familiar with before. But I hope that guy wins an Emmy. He plays this kind of drunken, failed theater actor. Uh, it's it's really impressive work. The whole show is incredibly well done. Strong recommendation for Station Eleven.
0: Very nice. Yeah, Um. this... Uh, this show premiered on my birthday last year, and so I had oh. I had all the plans to watch it. Uh, and then I realized that no, that was the day I was seeing Spider Man, and it was the day that my dad was coming down. No fucking way I was gonna watch. <laughs> I was gonna be able to watch the premiere. Um, and uh, so then I I let it pass me by but now that the show is done now that it has finished airing i i am more likely to come back to that after i finished uh raised by wolves season one uh, in preparation God. for season two um but yeah yeah everything i've heard about the show has been fantastic so i am i am very very excited to watch it uh, and anything that premieres on my birthday can't be that bad <laughs> uh, well, you,
1: you, don't, you don't have a january birthday like me and it can be very
0: yeah, bad yeah um yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my, my birthday is uh, it's, it's the weekend it's, it's December 16th, actually. So, you know, blockbusters yeah, always, always, always come out on, you, you know, this year we have Aquaman and Avatar two coming out on the same on, on, on actually on my birthday, you know, last year we got Spider-Man, all the Star Wars movies, all the Hobbit movies. It's just like so much fun every single year. Uh, anyway, next up for me is uh, midnight in Paris. Uh, another oh. first watch for me. Uh, and, um, I am slightly embarrassed about this. My first Woody Allen movie. I was sure that I had watched a Woody Allen movie uh, before this, but apparently I had not. Um, so I, I just really, really love this movie. The 1920s are, is, is one of my favorite decades uh, historically. Great Gatsby is one of my favorite books, and that really turned me on to it. Um, I just love the history there. I love the romanticism that this movie um, gives to it, and I just love all of the performances here. It's It's quite short. Um, as well. And, 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 you know, really does what it needs to very succinctly and, uh, and, and very well. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Owen Wilson's great. Uh, just all of these, uh, historical figures popping up, you know, played by well-known actors, Corey Stoll, Hemingway, um, uh, Kathy Hittleston, Gloria Stein Hittleston as yeah. F. Scott Fitzgerald. I uh, p- pops up for like a cumul- uh, cumulative, like three minutes in this movie, but uh, it's 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 great regardless. Um, so yeah, and and you know the message also really spoke to me. You know, I've thought a lot about what it would have been like for me if I had been born at another time or lived in the past. And this movie's message about you know sort of living in the moment, appreciating where you are, and loving that the time you have is just it it really spoke to me in that sense. So.
1: I think that's a fun poll. It's actually, it, it is my favorite Woody Allen movie uh, as well, mm-hmm. um, I, though I guess he, he's like Bruno and we're not allowed to talk about him. But <laughs> um, uh, my number three is going to be, uh, I guess we're going A24 heavy today, it's going to be a, a, an A24 <laughs> movie uh, about a porn star who goes home uh, and you know basically fucks with the lives of everyone in the town where he came from called Red Rocket. <laughs> And I don't know why, I think probably it's because I, I know of Simon Rex when he was like an MTV VJ, because again, old person. Uh, it's just the notion of him giving a, an awards caliber performance was not something that I could wrap my brain around. I quite like the previous efforts from from this director, which include Tangerine and The Florida Project, uh, which are really excellent movies that shine a light on places in society that are perhaps not always emphasized in in those cases, trans sex workers in LA and uh, a hotel where very poor families live Uh, in, you know, Florida, like down the street from Disneyland, it's meant to really show the dichotomy of all these people coming into town to spend a bunch of money on, you know, pins, (laughs) like Mickey Mouse pins, (laughs) you know, next door to, to hotels that have like three kids in a room. And, uh, he he's just such a, a smart seasoned nuanced filmmaker in the way he he brings things together he has such a grasp of tone and comedy for how to make i mean this this the simon rex character in this movie is a piece of shit <laughs> and he manages to make this this compelling character driven story about how this guy makes his own disaster it's it's just it's so funny it's so specific in a lot of the details both of small town life and of sex work that i just i i I found it genuinely fascinating utterly hilarious and uh i I would recommend that if you're one of the people who was offended by licorice pizza you should (laughs) definitely never ever watch red rocket
0: yeah um this is another one that I left uh, New York uh, City right before uh, th- th- uh, a lot of these screenings started. so I did not I did not have the chance to see it yet, but I've heard wonderful things about it so I may I may um, get to it soon, uh, especially when it goes on demand. Um, my next one, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to do two, but they are very closely intertwined. That is Death to 2020 and Death to 2021. Uh, two uh, Netflix specials released in 2020 and 21, respectively, uh, at the very end of the year uh, by Charlie, uh, is it Booker or Brooker? It's one of those. Um, the Black Mirror guy. The Black Mirror <laughs> the guy. There we go. <laughs> um and it's basically a satirical documentary about what happened in the last year. Uh, I like these. I, I think they were, you know, they weren't like you roll on the floor laughing hilarious, um, but uh, – there was a lot of, um, you know, th- th- there are just some some great running jokes. One that I particularly liked is uh, d- the the increasingly decaying state of Joe Biden. Uh, I thought was, <laughs> was 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 great, um, and uh, just the 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 cast that they got for these. You know, in the first one we got Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Hugh Grant, Lisa Kudrow, like K- Kumail Nanjiani. They all do like they all do great work, especially in the sequel. A lot of them come back, um, and. I'm not saying that I want more of these because more of these would connote that the world is equally shitty and terrible, but like, I wouldn't mind getting more of these, even in like good years. I mean, there's always stuff that's happening in the world to make fun of. Um, and, and, and I just think that there's a lot of great comedic talent, um, in writing and in acting, uh, on, on, on display here. So
1: I'm totally with you. These things get a lot of shade on like you know, asshole film Twitter. And I'm not sure why, because I think they're really funny. And I think the actors that you mentioned, Hugh Grant, I I think Christian Milioti (laughs) is also incredibly funny Mm -hmm. in these are really doing some, you know, it's a little arch, but are really doing some like interesting farcical work. I I just, I, I'm totally with you. I think this is a good, this is a good wreck, And I think Mm -hmm. both of these are worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My last rack, I've already shilled for "Come On, Come On," which is my my dearly beloved, and I I, I'm gonna shill for one that everyone missed. I'm thinking about saying the worst person in the world, but that that doesn't come out for a couple of weeks. For I just got
0: just got a screener for that. Actually, I will be watching that soon. Yeah, it's so good. (laughs)
1: Um, But you know, so I I don't want to shill for that because that that you know you'll someone else can shill for that in three weeks when it's actually coming out. I will. I will bring up a movie that flopped miserably in theaters when it was released this fall. I think it's quite masterful. I, I I watched it again two nights ago and I was equally taken as I was when I saw it in theaters. And that's the last duel. Mm. I think the last duel is number one. Uh, they, you know, they say this, but they don't make movies that way anymore. They don't. Movies don't look like Ridley Scott epics anymore because everything is done with fucking CGI and on green screens and, you know, at Pinewood studios in Atlanta and, Ridley Scott goes out in the field. This this is an eighty three year old man who he recently gave an interview and said he drinks a bottle of wine every night. He can't do two because then he's a little sluggish the next day. What a hero! And he, uh, eighty three years old, is out there in the shit and the mud with people building these like fake medieval villages for him to to stage his fourteenth century France legal slash epic film. Man, it's awesome. It's it, It's a story that tells the perspective of a rape, which I know sounds like a very unwatchable topic. And I think part of the reason why it performs so terribly at the box office. But I think, uh, look, they they Jodie Comer has spoken a lot about the ways they try to make it, a, you know, not in any way a, a, a titillating scene, but rather a sort of serious investigation of perspective and memory and they tell the story of this from the perspective of Jodie Comer's husband played by Matt Damon, Jodie Comer's rapist played by Adam Driver and Jodie Comer herself in her perspective. And it is it's so smart in the subtleties, they 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 it's elevated on subsequent rewatches by the ways scenes are shown from different people's perspectives, the way memory is different. You know one one example sees a In the Damon version, he reaches out for a handshake first and gives a speech of reconciliation with Adam Driver. In the Driver version, he reaches out first and gives the speech of reconciliation. And in the Comer version, they're both apprehensive. Nobody wants to shake hands. A different dude gives the speech of reconciliation. And that's kind of an obvious example. There are far more subtle, nuanced ones throughout. I'll also say that Ben Affleck is absolutely incredible, giving one of the weirdest, like, it, it is as he is. He is like a dude from Boston as a French feudal lord. Come take and, t- take your pets off. <laughs> yeah. When, when, when he tells Adam Driver like there, there's a serious issue of a lawsuit. And he's like, fuck this. Come 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 have a five way with me with all these court hookers. Uh, it's just—it is an unbelievable, like movie star performance that shows this sort of self-awareness of of his image. It has all these great meta elements to the performance. I—I I, I don't think he's going to win anything, and if he does, it'll be for Tender Bar, which he's also good in. But uh, man, Ben Affleck is doing something incredible here. That guy is on like a little run these last couple of years mm-hmm. that is really special. The way back is good. He's great in tender bar. i give, I like our, our that's yeah. <laughs> going on here. And I, I think last duel is, is the best performance of his career as well. So the last duel it's on HBO max now, which is why yes. I, I decided to talk about it. Uh, yes. watch that,
0: please. You, you have no excuse not to watch it now. All those of you listening out there. Um, yeah, I saw the last duel, uh, opening weekend and I was really disappointed to see it disappear from theaters after a couple weeks. Um, and and I I went in knowing nothing. I had not seen any of the trailers, and I loved it. It it was one of my favorite movies, um, of the year top uh, top ten. Um, yeah, it was it was it was fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I, I echo everything you said. The performances are great. Uh, you know the 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 Rashomon style. You know uh, perspective things, especially the subtleties that I will really have to watch it again to really catch. Um, was was wonderful. Um, but uh, yeah, so my final recommendation is uh, a movie that I saw um, promoted as the wildest movie that Nicolas Cage has ever done uh, last year. This is Prisoners of the Ghost Land, um, a movie set in uh, Samurai Town, which is could be post-apocalyptic. It might not be <laughs> who knows and who cares uh nicholas cage um giving quite an unhinged uh an unhinged performance in one of the only um english speaking roles in the film actually uh and i i i looked it up and um the the, the director does not speak english either which i think is really really interesting um he's and a, a weird he's a
1: weird dude yes. is
0: a very strange dude <laughs> yeah um i i So when I heard that claim that it was the craziest movie Cage has ever done, I found that at first hard to believe. Um, And then I waited seven months to watch the movie, and then I watched it, and I... It, it's the craziest movie I've seen that he's in. I haven't seen all of his movies, but it's it's certainly really off the fucking rails. Um, and I I had, I had a lot of fun with it. I watched it in chunks because it is a lot to take at one point. Um, Bill Mosley is in this, and I I, I don't know. I, I I thought he was not doing a great job. Unlike Cage, who was going like all in, um, screaming about how his testicles got blown off by a by a bomb is just absolutely incredible and just so much fun to watch um it's it's really scatterbrained in almost every way um but i i had fun with it um and it's also quite uh quite beautiful to look at uh, as well it 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 plays with color and light in some interesting ways so yes that's prisoners of the ghostland it is a uh, in uh, the us it is a shutter exclusive uh, cool. for all of you horror fans out there but uh, yeah
1: I saw that at, I don't remember if it was Sundance or South by Southwest mm-hmm. at this point, but I saw it at some festival last year and thought it was it was f- fascinatingly all <laughs> over the place. But a lot of his movies are. I don't know if you've seen any, anything else from him, but I think like Audition and Ichi the Killer and mm-hmm. uh, the original One Missed Call are all things that are, are uh, very much worth picking out, uh, Audition in particular. He's, he's prolific.
0: He's like 80 or 90 movies.
1: Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that was... Uh, episode nine of the lenient critic podcast i can't believe i've been doing it for nine weeks it's pretty cool i'm pretty happy with how it's been going so far and i want to thank you bernard for joining me thank you very much it has been a pleasure thank Um, you before we yes so before we head out is there anything that you would like to plug in fact, I know
1: there is. <laughs> uh, sure. Come follow me on Twitter at Oz on Movies, Come to TheInventionOfDreams.com, where I do film writing and some interviews. And also, uh, come listen to my podcast, which is called Final Review, which is available on all of the usual podcast aggregators. It's also Final Review Pod on Twitter. Uh, our gimmick is that we take a great movie, one of the sort of canonical films of cinema history, and we discuss it with a deep dive, but instead of it just being me and and my buddy Andrew Claudio uh, talking about the movie, we break it down into categories. Each movie is evaluated across ten categories and given a score, which is meant to sort where it falls in the pantheon of great films. and we've we've found, we've now done a number of these. We found that it's actually really working. so what it what it'll end up being? we We did um, Scream, the original last week. We're doing Do the right thing will be the most recent episode when this podcast comes out uh and this week i guess maybe i'm not sure what the release plans are for us i'll announce that we're doing before midnight because it's my birthday week that this is coming out on so we're we're doing a concession to one of my very favorite movies it's also sundance so it, it themes for that uh but what we do is we we take a movie and we affix these categories to it and say you know we'll take the director we'll take the lead actor the lead actress the screenwriter the cinematographer the genre the year it came out and rank our five movies so do the right things a 1989 movie one of the categories is going to be 1989 movies and it'll receive a score from one to five based on each category and then we give our total scores and you know it's it, it we we try to have fun with it 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 is like this it, it's meant to be positive we're celebrating <laughs> yeah. these movies not not uh lambasting them so come listen to final review
0: yes uh, absolutely uh final review has um <clears throat> quickly become one of my favorite podcasts uh my latin teacher from uh high school who uh i believe went to college with you bernard we went right? to college together yeah right. yep. uh, he he reached out to me one day and said uh and said yeah, uh, my 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 friend from college started this uh started this podcast and i think you might like it and i listened to it and it, uh, the podcast was just a couple weeks old at that point and i fell in love with it so yes go to go to uh, listen to final review um the episodes are just about the length of this one. I'm surprised that this one ran ran this long. I, I can't help myself; it's a problem. Yeah, it's yeah, that's that's what you do when you put uh, two nerds uh, on <laughs> uh, on a call. My 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 episode next week, the most anticipated of 2022, is almost three hours long. So <laughs> do with that what you will. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, as for me, uh, this podcast is an offshoot of my website the lenient critic at the lenient critic.com i review movies and uh, shows and i put the podcast on there as well so if you want to check that out that'd be very much appreciated um and uh, i can also be found on letterboxd at the screen avenger is my username and uh or you could plug in my name rowan wood you know it's it is what it is uh, and i'm also on uh, i'm also on twitter at bits of joel uh, which is an inside joke that has to do with the last of us but there's a spoiler for the second game technically so uh anyway uh so for the lenient critic uh my name is rowan wood uh thank you again for joining me mr bernard ozarowski um and uh i will be back next week with my most anticipated of 2022 episode i have uh, returning guest alice geneva mckelly joining me all the way from australia for that one uh, so that'll be very very exciting uh, so once again thank you again for tuning in and i'll be back next week